Welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. It's funny when there's a lot of stuff happening in between podcasts because it seems like it's been forever. Yes, since, it does. Since we recorded. And it really wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it was only a couple weeks, but I mean, you had a trip, like we did some escape rooms, you saw some shows. Yep. So let's start with the escape room because that's the, I think that's the first thing we did after our last podcast. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Uh, so we went to 60 Out Escape Rooms on Melrose and we did two rooms. We did Grandma's Master Plan and The Hangover. And what did you think overall? There was a lot to like here, definitely. And yeah. 60 Out is, uh, in, in the Los Angeles area, 60 Out is an escape room company that has multiple locations. Uh, and if you look at their other locations, they have different themed rooms at different locations. We did uh, Gra Grandma's Master Plan first, Mike. And I will say that that room was a mixed bag for me. But one of the really nice things, it's a room that is, it's like an onion it just layer after layer after layer. You keep every time I thought we had reached the end, we hadn't. Right. And we were in there for what seemed forever. And I didn't know this going in, but it has a 75 minute time limit instead of the usual 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. So maybe they should change their name to 75 out. Uh, oh. Oh. Just kidding. But uh, but no, that that's actually one of the cool things about both of the rooms was the fact that they they did reveal stuff. It's not just a single room. Uh, you do go from place to place once you start to figure stuff out. And the fact that it just it kept revealing something after something after something. I loved that about the first room. Yeah. like And you said it was a mixed bag for you. It was a, it was a mixed bag for me for kind of the same reasons, um, but also some of the puzzles yes. uh, there were some really really good and clever puzzles in here but one of the cool things and and also in my and for me like one of the not so good things is that everything is automatic yes so if there's a you know if there weren't i don't think there were any traditional locks in like we usually see in escape room like you have to unlock this box with you know you have to find this key oh that's interesting you know what i actually had toward the end there were a couple of key locks right but you're right in the fact that that the puzzles didn't give you a key or give you a combination to something necessarily yeah which is cool it, it, you know you're thinking outside the box and you know for escape rooms that's what you have to do but it worries me when you have to rely on technology because technology fails a lot. And, and actually, there was a bit of a failure in that room for us. For, for me. Yes, exactly. And that, you know, and we'll, we'll get to that later. One of the things also you're talking about the puzzles. Um, and I had a discussion with a couple of people afterwards who've done this room and a couple of other 60 out escape rooms. And there's a mixed, I think, reaction to this. The design of the puzzles, Mike, it's sort of a linear room in the fact that you have to figure one thing out and even if you have multiple puzzles going on at the same time they lead you all as a group into the next section into the next clue um so when you have that linear structure the the physical layout of some of these puzzles i found funneled all of us to work on one puzzle at the same time yeah I, that that was one of the things in the in the very first room there was a little bit more opportunity to work on different things yes but as soon as you solve a couple puzzles and there's only a couple left 
everyone converges on those last remaining puzzles. And for us, they were right next to each other. So we were on top of one another and, you know, getting frustrated, like, okay, <laughs> someone else try because this person's not doing it. And, you know, and actually I, I will, um, I can give a very specific example. There is a puzzle which is locked down in this escape room and it is located against a wall on a flat table surface. So literally only one person at a time can really work on that puzzle. And it, I found it frustrating of like, I couldn't even see like, because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a visual guy when it comes to stuff like that. And I didn't end up solving that. I think you ended up solving that in the end. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's just like, I just wanted the chance. And we're like, we almost were in a single file line at one point because the other puzzle had sort of gotten solved i believe and the 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 other puzzle wasn't solved yet and we couldn't solve it because people were lining up oh that's true that's true to try to solve that puzzle yeah yeah it it was blocking the eye lines basically um and there were a couple of times in both of these rooms where i felt like we were all ganging up on a puzzle because it was it was the one thing we had to concentrate on yeah and when that was happening i mean i don't i think i think you joked about it but i was just i just went and just like stood against the wall. I was like, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. At, at one point in, and, uh, another person who was in the room with us, uh, said the same thing. Like at one point I just sat down Yeah, because like there were too many people in one, you know, like three foot square area trying to solve a puzzle. And like, I, you just back away and you're like, okay, I'm useless right now. There's too many cooks in this, in this kitchen. Uh, and, um, I, you know, it, it, it's it's just that's a design thing. That's a flow thing. Uh, however, I will say that I enjoyed the puzzles. Yeah. 60 Out, I, I think, among escape room fans here in Los Angeles, has a reputation for a variety of puzzles. And, man, you know the thing that I, I would like to point to that I enjoyed, even though it frustrated the hell out of us? <laughs> what? The audio puzzle. Oh, yeah. And I, I and like and here's here's one of the reasons I said it was a mixed bag. The audio puzzle we actually had to ask for help with because literally we didn't understand some of the mechanics of the room. And you were talking about relying on technology for every puzzle. Like there is no explanation as to how that necessarily functions. And it is where you're dealing with you have to queue up audio tracks basically on several devices simultaneously. And I, and I, is that too much of a spoiler? Jeez. Kind of. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. But, but no, I mean, the th- it, when you, once you get into that room, I think that's what it says. So, but yeah, it, it's like once you get into the room, you get that. But the mechanics of operating right the technology wasn't clear, and we spent so much time trying to figure out what to do that eventually the guy giving the clues chimed in and went, "Here, let me explain some things to you," and that seems like an odd hiccup. Mm-hmm. But really, really like that puzzle. I thought that puzzle was really, really cool. It was frustrating as hell because we didn't get how to get there without having to be coached how to get there. Yeah. So, but I really, really liked that. And uh, again, this is a room in, in um, the hangover room, which we t- we'll talk about in a second. There's another really unique puzzle, which we've sort of encountered in a different variation. But I, I like the fact that they really do think... It's not just about looking at a piece of paper or looking at a series of numbers. It's there's physical tasks involved. There's physical activity that you have to do to to get a solution. Uh, there's things you have to rearrange and, and put back together. So all of that is a plus. So 
uh, would you recommend this room to other people? Based on my personal experience, probably not. Ah, uh, okay. I mean, I know we don't want to give spoilers, but be more specific. Well, okay. So we talked about this on a couple of podcasts ago and, and, and I'm going, and I'm saying this more as like background. This isn't what happened. I'll, and I'll explain that. But when you do something in an escape room, you know, because we love escape rooms, we go to, we go to tons. And when you get accused of something, doing something that's against the rules, without getting the benefit of the doubt, it really puts a damper on it. So we, we talked about that once when someone solved the puzzle a different way and they came over the radio and was like, oh, you cheated. That's not how it's supposed to be solved. And it's like, yeah, yeah but I found a different way. Um, to, one of our friends did that. And w- what happened with, with me is we went into a room and there was supposed to be, it was supposed to be sealed by a magnetic lock. You know, And this is going back to the everything is is technology based. Well, that malfunctioned and I was able to open it. I didn't force it open. I didn't brute force it open. I just opened it. It was a cabinet that was opened. Which, dude, I was right behind you. You didn't have time to force it open. We walked into the room. You walked over to that thing and it opened. Yeah. And as soon as I did that, the game master came over. He's like, don't brute force open anything you know that's not you're not ready for that yet yeah, that'll said, open like wait because i had to go into the other room because there was a lot of noise going on at the time and in the other room he said something along the lines of you don't have what you need yet to for those clues you forced that open and you weren't supposed to right and that's a bs yeah and and that's why i was like no i didn't and that and like at that point like i was kind of over it i was done because i was pissed because that's not me it, it actually did it did affect the group overall you know i i don't know if the couple of people who were working on the audio clue that i just referenced caught exactly what was going on but at least three of us did and thought like well that's bogus <laughs> yeah, and and but for me personally you know okay it's That's, insulting. Well, it's insulting, but what makes it even worse, and you when you, you do something like that, after we finish the room, the game master went back in. He's like, "Oh, well, I'm going to go check it." And he's oh, like, "No, no, 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 he didn't." No. I literally said to him, "Hey, look, we're experienced enough that if that malfunctioned, you should go check that lock because we would not force it, and I guarantee you, this guy." And I pointed at you would not force a door open in an escape room. Oh, okay. That's how that began. So he went and came back. He's like, oh yeah, the the magnet's just spinning. It, it's malfunctioned. And that was it. Like no apology. No like, oh, sorry, I, I blamed you guys. Like nothing. And like stuff like that goes a long way with me. Yeah. And the fact that that didn't happen, like I, I wanted to leave at that point, even though we had another room to do. Yeah, oh, I, t- I totally understand. I totally understand. It was disrespectful. Yeah. Like, it, it, like I understand you're doing your job, but to to just come on and be like, you did this, you did that. Like, no, like what? Like customer service, man. Like be like, hey, that isn't supposed to open yet. By any chance, did you pull that open? You know that if he said that everything's averted. Like, right. no, it just opened freely. And then it's like, OK, I'll need to check it out instead of you force that open. You don't do that yet. You Which know, is like, definitely where he went. Yeah. So, whatever. Okay. Um, I personally, to go back to the recommendation question, um, I would recommend this room to people uh, because of the variety of puzzles. 
I understand, you know, and, and I agree with you. It, it did bum us out that, that like, wait a minute, <laughs> we just got accused of something we didn't do. Um, but uh, I would recommend this room for the reason that it is so many cool different things that you have to do. And like I said, there's physical tasks, there's audio stuff, there, there's some really creative puzzles in here. But I I think the flow could be improved somehow, literally by just simply rearranging or placing a puzzle in a different place. Yeah. So, but I would recommend this room to people. Yeah, and I did like the puzzles. Yes. You know, to your point, like there are a bunch of different puzzles that we've never seen before. So, I mean, that part of it was cool, is experiencing those new things. Yeah, there, there's a middle room in particular that has a lot of physical stuff going on that I thought was kind of cool. So we finished up Grandma's Master Plan, and right after that, we went into another one of their rooms at the Melrose location, which is uh, the hangover room, which a, a friend of mine uh, has done this room. And he said what I have the urge to say right now. He said, well, it's an escape room. It's called the hangover room, but it's not what you think. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally want to say that right now. It's called the hangover room, but it's not what comes to mind when you think of that. Right. That's just part of the story. How do you feel about this room, Mike? I, I liked it. It was more, I feel like it was more streamlined. Yes. Um, and I, there were themes of the room that I'm really into, like personally. So once we saw those themes, was, I thought that was really cool. It was going in that direction. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're being very obtuse, but I... <laughs> I kind of have to be, though. Yeah. Um, I will say, again, interesting audio stuff in this room going on. The opening... Actually, you know, for for this entire sequence, this this room, I think, was a beautiful set. Definitely. And this is one of those rooms where you walk in and you absolutely feel like you are in a real working environment. Being that the name of the room is called The Hangover, you might figure that you walk into a bar. And it has the look, the feel, the vibe of a small, intimate lounge or bar area. And the set is so good. And they do a fairly good job of incorporating pieces of the set into what you need to solve to progress through the story. So the story of that particular room, uh, we didn't really cover Grandma's Master Plan story-wise. And I, I, I'm just going to say that the story for that one, I don't know. It wasn't very logical to me, but I enjoyed it because of all the different rooms that we had to go through. Right. But uh, The Hangover, I think the story worked better, uh, fitting with the theme of the rooms. I totally agree. And uh, so you solve a whole bunch of stuff in a bar, and then uh, you end up in a situation where you have to figure out some stuff behind the scenes, behind the business side of the bar. And that's kind of interesting. There's a couple of cool things involving um, having to contact people or deal with people who may not necessarily be in the room with you, which I thought was really enjoyable. Um, and also there's, um, I don't want to give it away, but there's a, a physical clue in the, the, the last area of this room that we've had a really difficult time with. Yeah. And for some reason, I feel like we had the right combination Yeah, the whole time because then how, you know, it, cause we did have to ask for clarification on that. Yeah. We asked for clarification because it, it's a multiple choice answer and you have to choose several different things. So you come up with, you, you have to list, I believe it was four items and the four items are the correct answer. And when he called in and, and we said, look, we're having a problem with this, with this puzzle. He said, well, tell me your four answers. And we listed the four correct answers. 
Yeah. And then, then it worked. And so and that, and that just makes me go back to the technology, like was something malfunctioning and then finally he realized we had it and he overrode it. Like it was one of those know. things, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I will say it took us a while to figure it out because that was one of those situations where I was working on something else elsewhere in the room. Um, and again, there was some stuff with the set in this room where you have to interact with the set, which I thought was kind of, dare I say, cute. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and if you've done this room or if you encounter this room, you might you might figure out there's stuff hanging on the walls that you have to interact, which I just thought was hysterically funny. But um, when you got to that final, that sequence, we, we had to get clarification for. Um, I know we didn't have the correct answer for quite some time, but then we all worked together and as a group, everybody double-checked each other's answers and we came up with the four answers, but it still didn't work. Yeah. So that was kind of confusing. And uh, and again, it was this weird thing where there was a, a piece in The Hangover where we did something that was completely logical and the the game master came over and went, hey, guys, you don't need to be doing that right now. And it was like, it seemed logical because you, and I, I don't think this is a spoiler at all, you open a space. Yeah. And then you're not supposed to enter the space. Right. And as soon as we opened the space, every one of us was like, okay, well, how do we get in there? How do we... (laughs) Exactly. And that was an odd hiccup for me because it was like, now what? But uh, the answer lied in the story of what exactly was supposed to be accomplished. And we did figure it out very, very quickly. But the fact that he did have to call us like, wait, no, uh, yeah, you opened it, but... Wait a minute. We figured it out very quickly. I remember suggesting what (laughs) the solve of the puzzle was and you were like, no... Wait, are you talking about the the? Oh, <laughs> you're like no, it's not that. Wow, I just met pantomime Mike for the first time. <laughs> well, I can't say it because it's a huge. Could you like, give it to me again in interpretive dance? It's the grand finale of this room. I'm not going <laughs> to verbally say it. So that no, that that's a good point. Oh, I that that's not what I was referring to. Oh, okay. I was referring to how but, you get that information. But you admit that that happened. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> me admit that i miss, missed something completely in an escape room yes i admit that that happens <laughs> and i also admit that you love pointing it out <laughs> yes it makes for a good podcast <laughs> so uh and actually i got to admit it's kind of humorous usually when you point it out because you're usually right so th- what i'm referring to is i thought the clue of how you get the instructions to finish this room was kind of cool. Oh, definitely. And it is one of those wonderful things where you're carrying around something in an escape room like I need I know I need this. I know I need this. I know I need this and then finally at the last moment you go like, "Oh, now I get it." And you have to put certain things together. But I I enjoy the hangover I think a little bit more than Grandma's Master Plan. How do you feel? Same here. Okay, cool. Uh 60 Out is a company that I Definitely, I want to do other rooms with them, Mike. Even though, like I said, we've discussed hiccups, uh, a little bit of a customer service thing, but uh, this is a company that I definitely want to go explore more rooms with. Definitely. Definitely? Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I had that issue and it kind of soured me on that night, but you know, I would be open to going back again Like if if there was another room that we heard was really good. And they have some very interesting themes. Recommend you going to... The 60 Out website and look at all of their themes. They have a wide variety of themes for their escape rooms. And like I said, multiple locations. 
For more information to find these rooms, find them on the web at 60out.com, and that's 60 with a 6-0. On Facebook, 60out Escape Rooms. Instagram, 60out Escape Rooms. And on Twitter, 60out Escape Room. Now, you took a trip. Yes, I did. (laughs) Fiend. (laughs) Where'd you go? Uh, I went to Las Vegas. Uh, We have a mutual friend, Omar, who lives in Las Vegas, and uh, Omar had called me and said that the show, that uh, a theater was doing a show that he knew I would be interested in, so I just decided to go and and take in a show and hang out with Omar and eat good food, Um, so that was the the purpose of the weekend. Actually, Omar and I took uh, in two shows, and definitely want to mention uh, one of them, because it's it's kind of cool and unique, and it's similar to something you and I have done locally, Mike. But hold on. Usually when we go to Vegas, we go for one main reason. Yes. And that's Freakling Brothers. Yes. So please tell me that there's some sort of Freakling Brothers connection with this trip. (laughs) Of course there's a Freakling Brothers connection with this trip. If you are a Extreme Haunt follower, uh, you might have heard a rumor, you might have heard an inkling that uh, Freakling Brothers in Vegas is going to bring back the victim experience this year. And I was able to spend some time with Warren, who is now Director of Operations for Freakling Brothers. Uh, Warren is the gentleman who used to be Scorch the Clown when there was a circus-themed haunt with Freakling Brothers. And Warren was so cool. Warren agreed to come out, and we chatted for a while. Omar, he and I hung out for a little while, and I was able to get a quick interview with him, Mike. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, this this is really cool, and I really, really appreciate Warren taking the time to do this. Uh, the information for Freakling Brothers victim experience uh, is coming probably toward the end of this month. So Freakling Brothers, uh, at the time of this interview, they weren't quite ready to release specific information. So we're going to be a little vague in the interview with with specific details. But Warren does hint at what's coming up for victim experience and the fact that it is a very special year for Freakling Brothers. And we cover that in the interview. And I, I, there's also a bit of a casual vibe because Mike, this is really, this is one of the first times I've ever had the chance to talk to Warren out of character. Ah, uh, okay. And I found it really, really interesting. And so I, I know in this interview, I, I think I have a little bit of a fanboy vibe going on. <laughs> I was nervous. Uh, I was a little intimidated. <laughs> And it's weird. It, it it I realized a few minutes into the into talking to him on the record as I was recording, I was like, why do I feel so nervous? Because it's Warren and chances are there was probably gonna be someone coming up behind you with a bag. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really did. I, I, but he's he's such a kind and generous soul. He really is. And uh, I really appreciate Warren sitting down and uh, definitely we cover some main topics with Freakling Brothers and the victim experience. And let's just go ahead and get into it. So here's the interview with Warren from Freakling Brothers in Las Vegas. Hello, everyone. I'm sitting here with Warren, who is the director of operations for Freakling Bros Horror Shows. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know that Mike and I have a great deal of affection for the Freakling Brothers. Uh, They create three of the best top-notch haunts you will often find them on the best of lists for this country and sometimes around the world. Warren, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with me. Uh, thank you for having me. So, uh, Warren, you and I have encountered each other on and off for the past, what, four Numerous years? Numerous times. <laughs> Numerous. Um, the reason that Mike and I wanted to get in touch with you is 
this is a very special year for the Freakling Bros, right? Yes, it is. It's our 25th anniversary. How long have you been with the Freakling Brothers? Uh, this will be my 10th season, I believe. Uh, and many people know you as Scorch the Clown. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> uh, who are you this year? Because Scorch kind of retired. Um, Scorch actually disappeared two years ago when we opened the Coven of Thirteen. Mm-hmm. Without having a Circus of Horrors, there was no need to have a clown. So will you be, if I may ask, appearing this season as a performer? Uh, no, I won't. Okay. Uh, my, my duties are now exclusively show-related, non-performing. And uh, that's that's honestly what I prefer right now. Plus, I was very close to the end of my performing days anyways. Now, Warren, uh, there are three shows that the Freakling Brothers uh, put up every year in Vegas. And uh, two of them are the regular haunt, really well done. As you can get. And then you have something called the Gates of Hell. So uh, let's go over the names. We have Castle Vampire. Which, if you were to assign a movie rating to it, in my opinion, it would be a PG. Okay. Uh, we have The Coven of Thirteen. Yes. Which is an intense house. I would give it a strong PG-13 rating. And then we have Nevada's first and only R-rated attraction, The Gates of Hell. Mm-hmm. And that is a hard R. I would... I personally would say it's an NC-17 show, but we advertise it as an R. Well, there's definitely adult content, there's which I think leans toward NC-17. Definitely some adult content, and there's definitely touching. You will be touched. This is, this is not a disclosure of any type. This is on the contract you must sign before you enter the gates of hell. Uh, you will be touched. You will be sworn at. There is a lot of physical discomfort. It's not... Pleasurable. I can attest to that. But it's a blast. <laughs> it's, it's great fun. <laughs> yeah, and, and I want to compliment you guys. Uh, Mike and I have definitely talked about this on the podcast in the past. All three shows, truly some of the most clever scares, truly frightening moments. Uh, you guys are top-notch. And I think it comes from the years of experience, obviously. But like, you guys really are extremely creative with your scares, and we love coming back every year and see the little tweaks that you've made to the shows. Oh, thank you. Uh, one of the things we pride ourselves on is the originality. You're not ever going to hear a chainsaw at Freakling Brothers. You're not going to see any trademarked or popular well-known character at any of Freakling. It's all original, mm-hmm. and it's it's all based on what we know after 25 years that fans want. Well, speaking of, you at Freakling Brothers have an event called The Victim Experience. Rumored, yes. Which is apparently, <laughs> rumor has it, returning this year. Um, yes, it is. Now, it sounds like there's been some major changes. Can you tease us with some information about that? Because I know you're not allowed to release everything quite yet. Uh, not a lot of spoilers. Um, I will tell you that tickets do go on sale uh, at the end of this month. Which is the end of April. At the end of April. It is going to be a slightly increased ticket price. Uh, there's going to be a lot that we're adding to a package, though, for that. More details on that soon. So you're not just talking about the, the show itself. You're talking about extras there, to go There are going to be a lot of extras added to the victim experience this year. Um, guaranteed everybody that attempts it will be getting at least two items to take home. Uh, and they'll be different whether or not you uh, survive the victim experience or if you fail the victim experience. 
you will still be leaving with at least two personal reminders of your experience. Mike and I have both done the victim experience. We have both survived the victim experience twice and made it all the way through. Um, I will be the first to admit that I also tried it a third time and ran into some uh, a little bit of trouble. <laughs> uh, you were warned earlier that night that you weren't going to make it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there, was, there was a character who did warn me of that, perhaps. So uh, He also apologized for it, but he knew. <laughs> I learned an important lesson about extreme haunting that night, and I have to give credit to you guys in allowing me to decompress afterwards, and we, we talked about um, what happened in the show, and this really is sort of like an extreme sport for some people. And right. you're right, I wasn't in the right frame of mind, and you know I should have walked away. Except I got greedy because it was the only time window I had. Right. A, a, a good example of that is we have one of our show techs, uh, Corndog, actually races motocross. Mm-hmm. And he knows he's not going to win every race that he participates in. Right. But he's also raced in some races he knows he should have not raced in. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an unfortunate thing, but I understand the time is there. You've got to optimize or do what you can at that time. You've got to give it a shot. Right. But it, it was obvious to at least one person that you <laughs> weren't going to make it that night. Uh, one of the reasons I, I kind of digress there is the victim experience is not for everyone. The it's, victim experience... It's not for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's an extreme haunt. It's, it's the most extreme thing I've ever attempted. And I'm... I'm uh, you know, Mike and I have talked about this off the record. I think we're both very proud of the fact that we were able to both do it successfully twice. So I have to take a dig at Mike now and mention that I did it before him. So, Well, you know, for a few bucks under the table, we can make sure Mike doesn't make it this year, and you do. I oh, mean, really? No, we would never do that. <laughs> uh, one, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is everybody gets within two minutes and within a very, very close proximity. I'd say 95% of the actor's performance, everybody gets the exact same show all the way through. Right. So, which I know you strive for. So um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you said that it's going to be an upgraded ticket price, but you get more of a package deal with this. There will be right. some, some goodies for people along the way. There will be goodies, plus um, instead of the victim experience lasting, whether or not you say purgatory or you make it all the way through, 45 minutes tops, it's now going to add an oh, approximate 100 days to that. Uh, what do you mean by that? Um, there, there will be a private place for those that have purchased their victim experience tickets to experience an additional 100 days of hell. I won't go into that, but other than to say that for 100 days leading up to your spot of victim experience, there will be something happening each one of those days that will affect you in some way. So it sounds like there might be some social media interaction or something along those lines? There will be a private group, um, be it a private website or something, that will be uh, in a confidentiality agreement that only those that have paid their victim experience ticket will be a part of, and uh, it will have non-disclosure on it as well. Interesting. There will be hints, uh, messages and some teasers on it. 
and it will be updated at least once every day. Okay, so I'm going to ask the question where this is where you say I'm not going to answer the question. <laughs> Can you talk to us a little bit about changes to the event? Because the victim experience does evolve. And with it your anniversary this year coming up and victim experience returning after a year being dark, like what can you tell us about changes to the victim experience? Uh, what I can tell you is uh, victim experience was designed from the very beginning to take no more than 30, 35 minutes. Um, this year, it may be 40, 45 minutes, but what that's going to allow us to do is shorten the length of time it takes for us to get the next victim into the show. As you know, um, in the past, we wait until the first person in is at least two-thirds of the way through the show mm -hmm. before we send in the next, next victim. Uh, the changes we've made this year allow us to do that much faster. Uh, instead of waiting until they're two-thirds of the way through the show, we don't even have to wait until they're halfway through the show before we can send in the next victim, which is going to cut about a two-hour experience, depending on what number you're sent into the house, to a much shorter time. Uh, so you're moving people through more efficiently, They're going to be moved like. for, more efficiently. We're still going to do maximum five a night, but the reason this change is needed, uh, we'd rather have the show be five to ten minutes longer but to be able to get people through it faster, which will actually make a night shorter for the rest of the cast. Right, which I know um, I know this show takes a toll on the cast. Uh, what a lot of people don't realize is the cast that does victim experience is made up of casts from all three shows. Mm -hmm. And it's veterans. Uh, they are going several hours past the, their regular time of being there, and they've already done a regular haunt for eight hours. Um, the, it takes a huge toll on us to have the show be a little bit longer, but to be able to pace people through it at a better speed mm -hmm. is going to help everybody out. So it sounds like there are going to be some changes in the scenes. It sounds like the show is going to be a little bit longer. Um, every year you seem to have added either a major, I don't know what you'd call it, tent pole sequence perhaps, or... Uh, have you got something up your sleeve? Which uh... um, this year, not not just victim, but all three shows. As you know, we make change yes. every year. Uh, this year, there is at least one huge, major change to victim experience that is beyond what anybody's ever done before. I'm so intrigued, <laughs> and I know you're not going to tell me anything. No, I'm not. Okay. Um, so the victim experience tickets will go on sale at the end of April. How many tickets will go on sale? I believe this year we are not going to do any more than 35 ticket sales for victim experience. I believe we're going to spread it out over seven nights, five mm -hmm. people a night for seven nights. Um, tentatively, this is not written in stone yet, but tentatively... Our dates are going to be Friday, October 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th, which is a Friday through Tuesday. Okay. And then the next weekend, uh, October 21st and 22nd, which are Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, there is a rumor that if you don't get your tickets in time, that we may possibly be allowing one walk-on per night. 
and that would be up to uh, Franklin Brothers' discretion or not. But uh, we're going to strictly limit it. It's going to be a very exclusive event. And uh, at the very max, it looks like five a night with a possible add-on of one. As someone who's done the victim experience, I can say that for people listening to this who don't understand why, like this show is extremely taxing on the patron and extremely emotionally taxing, I'm sure, on the cast. That's why there's so many limited tickets you also, I, I think we should mention and make it clear that what happens with the victim experience is it's actually the end of your night. Yeah. And you close the other shows down before this. We wait this... until all other patrons are off the lot. So the, you the start people, late. Yeah, we start very late. The only people allowed on the lot are uh, cast members from other shows. And we have a very strict rule that they have to sit at least 50 feet away. And they're not to make any loud sounds or anything like that. They're there to strictly watch and if a person doing the victim experience brings one or two people for support for them they're set with the cast members at least 50 feet away uh, we want it to be as exclusively as much as possible the victims and us i can say that that meant a lot in the fact that that support system is in place, the fact that the cast was so supportive and really wanted everyone to succeed. It's very clear. We want everybody that attempts victim experience to make it through the entire show. There's a lot of stuff that happens in the show. However, we know it's just not possible. Everybody's got a breaking point. We really wish everybody could see the show through the entire way. It's just not possible. Yeah, and I, I think you're asking for some extreme physical interaction from your patrons. That's part of what the victim experience is. However, I, you know, one thing that this is not is pointless torture. It's not that. Right. I, it was I think, never intended to be that. I've never gotten that impression. As a matter of fact, the first time I went through, I was surprised at how story-based it was. And the fact that you you were going through these extreme sequences, and at the end of it, there there was this reveal that made you, at least made me, extremely reflective on the experience. That's good to hear, because you're the one person that's told me that you understood the storyline. <laughs> <So, laughs> oh, come on. That's, that's, <laughs> really? that's one of the changes that we're making, is we want the story to be a little bit more coherent mm-hmm. for those doing it. Uh, which is kind of hard to do, being there's not a lot of people that do extreme haunts. Right. And those that are trying it for the first time could really care less about any storyline after their first five minutes in the show. The, the, well, the first uh, five they're, minutes they're is just, pretty terrifying. They're, they're just <laughs> wanting to, you know, to make it as far as they can, and all all story points are lost by then. So uh, a, mo- a more coherent story is what we want to shoot for. Oh, but I, I'm glad that you did get the story. Oh yeah, absolutely, I did. It was. Um... You know, I actually wrote you guys a letter after my first time through. It, t- it took me several days to process. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that I, letter. I remember the letter, yes. <laughs> and it just, just it had such a positive effect on me. It was a horrifying experience. It, it truly was. And yet I walked away with a very philosophical approach to what I had attempted and what I had achieved. So I find that very interesting that you can do that with such a physically extreme event. Well, thank you. You know, and I, I, I did tell you at the time, you know, and, and, you know, JT and Duke and the rest of the Freakling family, I wanted it to be known that I think it would be really easy to dismiss the victim experience as 
um, exploitative or sensationalizing the idea of a haunt. And I, I think you guys have got more going on than that. Uh, you know, once again, with this being Franklin Brothers' 25th anniversary, it's not our first rodeo. Yes. You know, we, we get it. And there's been a lot of trial and error over the years. But Franklin Brothers honestly gets it. It's, it's not... Victim experience is not an endurance thing that you try to accomplish. It's, it's an entertainment, albeit not an entertainment for everybody, but it's, oddly enough, still supposed to be enjoyable in a sense, if that makes any sense to you at all. Uh, it, it does to me. I don't, I, I, because I've done other extreme events, uh, and I do find there to be an entertainment factor, but it's also it's not pleasant at times when you're going through it. What, what I would like to liken the whole thing to, all of Franklin Brothers to, is let's say it's an amusement park. Everybody loves going to Disneyland, but I'm not going to take my four-year-old on Big Thunder Mountain. Right. Um, they'll, they'll ride Pirates of the Caribbean all day. Great. What comes to Splash Mountain, they're like, no way. <laughs> um, I, I like to think of Franklin Brothers the same way. We've got the regular haunts, and then we do have a little bit more intense for the hardcore fans um the ones that we love the most we do a little bit of extra for and that's victim experience i think what you said a minute ago is true i think freakling brothers gets it i think you guys have a connection with your fans you have a huge fan base that's very clear um congratulations on all the lists you have made you know claiming that you're some of the best haunts in the world uh, Mike and I have been recommending you guys for the last few years to well, we know. everyone. We listen, we listen to my hot life. Yes, <laughs> we, we know. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's we love you guys, and you know I was lucky enough to uh, a friend of ours, a mutual friend, Omar. Um, the way I got pulled into this originally was he called me and he said, "There's this this new thing. I just got us two tickets, and you're coming." <laughs> and I, I, when I started doing some research, I became terrified. But I'm so glad that I did it and made it because it really it it it's truly one of the things in my haunting life <laughs> if, if, I can, well, if i can say that that i'm really really proud of and happy I, I will tell you this much i believe you and omar were the first two to ever go through victim experience yes we were and you both made it yes which uh, we we took a real quick break after the second one of you came out, and we're like, "Wait a second, we might not have made this intense enough." Oh, it's it's plenty intense. <laughs> However, you were the only two that made it that night. the The others that were in line, I believe, failed. Uh, there was one woman. There was, there was one woman that yeah. did make it. You're yes. right. Um, however, those those were seriously squashed afterwards. Those concerns of ours were squashed afterwards <laughs> when we heard you guys talking about it afterwards, and we're like. Okay, these these are the exception to the rule. They're the ones that seek this out and do this. They were at least somewhat prepared. Yeah, we were. So we, we realized that we had the recipe right, right off the bat. It's oh, just yeah. Our two anomalies were the first two that we had go through. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it would have been great for us to have the first person go running out screaming and everybody else in line to say, oh, screw that, we're not going to do it. Um, as, as it turned out, it was actually better because we got the feedback from you guys that we needed to know that we were doing it right. Oh yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It's um, it's quite a unique event. Seriously, wish you well with this season. Congratulations on the anniversary. 
Ah, thank you very much. It's like, I'm so looking forward to. I, you know that you know yeah. Mike and I will be visiting you sometime in Vegas this year. Well, you better because um, if not, we know where you live and we'll come and get you. <laughs> Unfortunately, I know that's true. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for sitting down and talking to me. Oh, I really appreciate it, much. Warren. Uh, good luck with the season, and uh, everyone who's listening to this interview, please keep an eye on the Victim Experience website. Which would you please give me the social media information? Uh, you can go to Freakling Brothers Horror Shows on Facebook. Uh, you can go freaklingbros.com for our website, and both of those will have all the information you need. Rumor is, is uh, if there is anything to do with victim experience, uh, victimexperience.com. Uh, it's a very basic, very uh, non-disclosure-filled, just basic holding site but it gives you information that you need. We try not to let a lot of info from victim out. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of those things that's got to stay fresh, but there's ways to find out about us, and if you're creative enough, you can get it. Well, also, that website, I believe you're talking about the website that sort of tells you what you might encounter what, in the what dark? What might happen. Uh, it's, it's a very basic, broad guideline, but it gives you information that you'll need for tickets or for if you absolutely... Absolutely must know more. Well, I will say this as someone who's done the victim experience a couple of times. Uh, I would recommend people pay very close attention to that webpage. I, I would I would recommend people try to go in with a blank slate and not know anything about it, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Okay. We, uh, we can agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> I, I just think it might be a little bit easier to get through if you don't know. Oh. I, I will say this. I think that's one of the reasons I was able to make it the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I did have this horrifying moment in the middle of, of of my first time through where I just had the realization of, this is really horrible. But I know they can't kill me, so that's the good news. <laughs> On purpose, we can't kill you. <laughs> Accidents happen. <laughs> I think we should end it there. <laughs> or thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you, Russell. All right, take care. That's awesome. Uh, you know, first off, thank you, Warren, for taking the time to deal with with Russell because yes. I mean that's a feat all on its own. <laughs> um, but thank you for talking to him and giving us this information, I, I, Russell. You know, I mean, you and I have done the victim experience twice successfully, and we're the only two people that have done it. <laughs> And we're gonna, we're gonna just keep milking that until yes we are because probably this year there's probably gonna be someone that's done it and then there'll be a three way tie yes unless we do it and go for a third but like with that being said how do you feel this year I'm I'm very nervous I'm I'm not I'm not committing to doing it right um, yeah like I don't I don't know I mean I feel like as much as I want to do it and you know go for that third time it's like it would be for the wrong reasons, I think, for oh, me. Oh, that's interesting. Because it would be just to get a scorecard in a way, you mm -hmm. know? And because we've done it. We've done it twice. We're the only people that have done it twice. And it's one of those things where it's like, do we really have anything left to prove within the victim experience? No, I don't think either of us have anything left to prove. I don't think we have anything left to prove after the first time. Um, my second time through, I chose to do it. And, and, you know, you and I have talked about the victim experience past on the podcast. We've written about it on the website. Um, it was a really interesting mental process going back for me. And then the th I did attempt it a third time and uh, I, I needed to call safety halfway through. 
because of something that that kind of it didn't go wrong, but uh, something became more overwhelming more quickly than it probably should have. And so I needed to get out. And um, and it's funny because Warren and I spoke about that briefly. And he, here's the thing. Like, I, I know I would get something out of it. But like you said, I have nothing to prove. And, and here's the thing for me. I can't I I don't know how you feel, Mike, but um, I don't know what I would get out of it emotionally. Right, and it is such a as well as being a heavy physical toll because it is a, a a really physically challenging event. Emotionally, I'm not sure what I would get out of it. Well, it's interesting you say that because the first time I did it and I made it, I came out and I was on the verge of tears because of like just everything you you hear about it, the buildup, and the fact that you finally do it. There's like, you know, you you just want to explode with emotions. And then when I did it the second time, I didn't have that feeling. Like I came out of it and was like, ah, I did it again. Cool. And that was it. It was, it didn't have that same emotional impact the first as the first time. Oh, that's interesting because it did have quite an emotional impact my second time as well. And I, there was something about the second time and I, I, and I, they, they take care of you so well. Definitely. And I, I think the, the staff kind of realized, like, I was at a really vulnerable place after my second time. And Duke came over and wrapped me in a towel and, and, and made sure that I was okay. And um, he, he led me over and he sat me down. And um, I just sort of, I don't know, pondered about the fact that, and this is what I got out of it. And, and you know, I don't want to digress too heavily into this because I'll get um, very emotional, but... I just, I have a strength in me that I'm not always aware of, you know? And I think that's one reason I was so happy when you did the victim experience was I didn't know if you saw in yourself certain strengths right? that I see as your friend. Wow, we're getting heavy. Yeah, this is getting weird. <laughs> so I respect you, man. Stop. So, uh... So, so at the end of it, and and the funny thing for me, and I I, I know Mike, I've I've told you this, was uh, there. I was like sitting there, kind of recuperating my second time through, and behind me, I heard one of the staff members say, "That guy right there, balls of steel." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I was just like, oh wait a minute, like. Like, yeah, I'm proud of this. And in in certain circles, there is a respect that I have earned by doing it and succeeding at it. And I don't need to go back. But, you know, I'm tempted. Of course, you have a chip on your shoulder. I don't I don't know if that's it. Yes, you do. You and I'm not saying that I'm not (laughs) saying this in a negative thing, but like the fact that you called safety like it's it's in who you are to go back and like kick, kick the crap out of that part. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. So yeah, I, I will admit to that. Okay. But doesn't mean I'm going to do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I could live with not doing it again ever. So anyway, <laughs> thank you again, Warren, for sitting down and, and chatting. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. And we'll see you in 
uh, six months. Oh, uh, yeah. Because definitely with the anniversary coming up, definitely we will be in Vegas at some point for the Freakling Brothers. Recommend them to everyone who likes haunts. Yeah. And for more information on the Freakling Brothers, you can find them on the web at freaklingbros.com. On Facebook, Freakling Bros. On Instagram and Twitter, also Freakling Bros. And for the victim experience, go to thevictimexperience.com. But don't do it at work, just in case. So after the interview and stuff, what else did you do? Okay, I I did a couple of really cool things. Like I said, um, Omar and I took in a couple of shows. uh, And I want to point to something. Mike, you and I with Machine Project here in Los Angeles, which is sort of a very odd, fun artistic collection of events um, that they did something where we spent an afternoon one day sort of like learning the basics of lock picking and yes. like and how to get out of uh, and handcuffs. I broke and I broke into your house with so, with those skills. <laughs> wait, you didn't get the last lock. Oh yeah, that's right. You didn't get the last lock. <laughs> There's a show at the Stratosphere Casino in Las Vegas called the Spy Escape and Evasion Show, and Omar had emailed me this message like, "Do you know anything about this?" and and like it looks kind of fun. And what they've done is they've taken, um, there's a, a gentleman by the name of Jason Hansen, who is a former CIA officer, who's actually designed sort of a lecture. He runs a company that teaches professionals how to protect themselves and how to be safe. And what that guy did is he sort of designed a show, which is part lecture, part interactive show. It's about an hour long. And he teaches you some basic safety stuff that you might not be aware of and you know the cool stuff is uh he does the whole thing which you can you can find this information elsewhere but the fact that it's from a former cia officer it's very succinct and very very well delivered in this show how to escape if someone were to duct tape your hands together or your feet together or duct tape you to a chair gives you pointers on how you would get out of that situation. He also covers zip ties. And this is information which I I sort of knew the basics of. Of course you did. <laughs> well, I mean, I do have some magician escape artist friends that, that I've hung out with. Yeah, years. magicians. Uh- <laughs> I do. So the first half of the show is sort of audience participation where like he, I was one of the first people he called up on stage when he asked for volunteers. Of course I volunteered. And uh, he did the thing where he duct taped my hands together, which was very funny because he looked down and like, you know me well enough that the first thing he looked, did was look down at me and went, Oh, uh, nice hairy arms. Good. So he, you know, he duct taped and then he taught me how to get out of the duct tape and he covers things in the second half of the show, such as situational awareness of how, you know, we make ourselves vulnerable when we are alone and distracted by our cell phones. Uh, He talks about electronic identity theft. He talks about how to protect your wallet or your purse if you have credit cards inside. He also talks about basic home protection. And I wish we knew this before doing the tension experience. Uh, so he presents this in a very enjoyable and informative, you know, uh, presentation sort of vibe that is, you know, you don't realize quite how much he's information he's imparting as he's doing it. Uh, so it's an interesting show. It's very family friendly. There were, you know, kids of all ages. And I, I actually think it's useful information for kids to be aware of, in the fact that, you know, protecting your identity because, you know, kids have cell phones earlier and earlier these days, uh, how to protect your house, all of the information. And then at the very end, there is a bit of a sales pitch at the end and you walk out into the lobby and they're selling 
many of the products that they talk about in the show. So, uh, but if you're in Vegas and you want something really unique, uh, it's family friendly, it's kind of cool, and it is information that not everybody knows. So I'm actually really, really glad we did this. And the guy behind it, uh, Jason Hansen, like I said, he's a former CIA officer. Uh, he's been seen on Shark Tank, which is where uh, part of partially this was developed, was through um, going on Shark Tank and wanting to get this information out to the general public to help people protect themselves. How much was the ticket? Uh, we did a Groupon, actually. So uh, I believe it was under... We did a, a VIP seating, which was closer to the stage. And it was 40 bucks or less per person. Okay. So it's very affordable. You can get Groupons that are even less than that, which are... And the auditorium is small enough that there is no bad seat in this house. Um, I would recommend it if this type of information interests you. And it's a really short show. Quite often there's 5 p.m. matinees. So it's really easy to fit into your schedule if you're hanging out in Vegas. And I'm sure during the hotter months in Vegas, it'll be great to go into an air-conditioned theater in the middle of the afternoon. So yeah, so you can go to that, learn how to get out of it. And then when you get drunk and stumble down <laughs> a random street off of Fremont, you're, get kidnapped. You, you know how to get out. That's right. If you'd like more information on this show, go to stratospherehotel.com. And it's called the Spy Escape and Evasion Show, and it is listed there on their entertainment section of their website. Uh, the other social media stuff I looked up, Mike, doesn't reference the show specific. It just references the general Stratosphere Hotel. So if you go to the Stratosphere Hotel website, do a search for Spy Escape and Evasion Show. Okay, Mike, I got a story for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so after the show, Omar has run into a friend at the casino. Uh, his name is Troy. He actually works with some of the entertainment venues uh, in casinos in, in Las Vegas, I guess. And But he also runs a theater company in Vegas. Well, Omar and I had planned to go see the next night a show that was running at his theater. Oh, that's cool. So his name is Troy, and Troy and Omar and I are standing there talking, and we're talking about theater. We're talking about haunts because he knows that Omar is uh, big into haunts, and he Omar says, oh, yeah, Russell is too. And so we're having the typical get-to-know-you-what-are-you-interested-in conversation, and suddenly Troy makes the connection. He goes, wait a minute. You mentioned a podcast where you talk about immersive stuff? And I said, yeah, I'm part of this podcast called My Haunt Life. And he pulls out his phone and he, he hits a couple of buttons and he holds his phone up to me. And My Haunt Life is the first podcast on his phone. <laughs> That's awesome. And he said, this podcast? And we just kind of chuckled and laughed. I said, yeah, actually, I'm Russell from My Haunt Life. He was like, oh my gosh, that's so, I like, I listen to your stuff because I run, and it's called the Majestic Rep Company in Las Vegas. And he is interested in immersive theater. And he is, I believe, and this is kind of why I'm sharing this on the podcast, uh, Majestic Rep in Vegas He's planning on doing something for Halloween. I, I, it's very much in development, and he was very, very mischievous and secretive about what's what that might be. But uh, he's very interested in immersive theater, and he knows that Las Vegas doesn't have a ton of it. So I think Majestic Rep is going to be a company that, if you're in the Vegas area, I think you should keep an eye on these guys, because I think they're going to be expanding and exploring. I went and saw a show called Hand to God, is that the picture where you were in front of a spray-painted wall that said Satan? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> because uh, Hand to God, which 
Troy actually shared with me this fun little statistic. It's the most produced play in America this theater season. Uh, it was a New York hit in, in like 2014 to 2015. And it's the story of a child teenager in a church group. And his mother is trying to wrangle some teenagers into doing a puppet show. And one of the puppets becomes this demonic possessed version of the teenager who controls the puppet. I like it. It is hysterically funny. It is. And I, and I'm mentioning it because it is being produced across America with smaller companies. The rights have gone out. If, if you know anything about getting rights for plays. And uh, so it, the, the play is out there and it's really, really funny. And, and I had such a good time watching this show. Uh, but I wanted to point to uh, majestic repertory because it looks like they're a company that has just moved. They've moved into a new space. They've announced their new season. It's really ambitious. New work, old work, classics. Uh, they're in a kind of a storefront space right now, which they can adapt to various types of productions. Uh, Troy is someone who obviously likes immersive theater. I think he's going to be experimenting as a company with that in the future. But also I wanted to draw attention to the fact that his next production, Mike, Carrie the Musical. Nice. And... Uh, Carrie is, if you've never seen it, it's infamous because it did such a horrible flop on Broadway when it was originally released, but it's been revamped in the last few years, and the version that is now being done across America by theater companies is a retooled version. And I'm not going to say it's a great musical, but the thing that it does capture is, like the Carrie story, it captures sort of the angst of high school pressure, social pressure. From Seeing Hand to God, which was a great, great production of that show, I'm really curious, and I actually think I will be going back to Vegas to see Carrie the Musical. Nice. So that's my intention. And that's even before haunt season, right? Oh, yeah. That's May. It's the weekends in May. So if you're going to Vegas in May, if you're in the Vegas area, and I know we have some listeners in Vegas, uh, check out MajesticRepertory.com. And check out their season. Uh, Carrie, I think it will be the closing of this season. And if you've never seen Carrie, it's it's a musical that is, it, it can be interpreted so many ways. I've seen it done as a small, intimate little drama. And Mike, you and I have seen a production that was big, bombastic, with people floating around on wires and being thrown through the air. Yeah, it was awesome. It was very cool. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in, they have a small space. But it'll be very interesting to see what they do with Carrie the Musical. And I'm really looking forward to learning more about what these guys have planned in the future. So uh, if you're interested in in that, you can check them out at MajesticRepertory.com. And on Facebook, they are at Majestic Rep. And on Twitter, Majestic Rep. And on Instagram, it's Majestic Rep Theater. And theater is spelled with the T-H-E-A-T-R-E. And I just wanted to highlight that because I thought it was such a cool encounter and Hand to God was so good. And I, I wish them well with the Carry Me, the musical production. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for listening, Troy. Now, on top of the Vegas trip, you like to make me realize how much of a hermit I really am because you went back to the nest and did that. <laughs> uh, yes, I did go back to the nest. And how was it? Your second time in the nest for everyone that's listening. We we went to a couple weeks ago and we discussed on the last podcast um, and we both loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was it like going back? Very interesting because, you know, I, I think after our first conversation about it on the podcast, I learned the lesson is this is not something 
this has escape room elements, but it's a theater piece. But it's a theater piece that you learn the story by listening to cassettes. Right. This is all information that you're given right up front. So I went back. I took a much slower pace. And here's the interesting thing. This story develops through the audio cassettes, right? Yeah. We found different audio cassettes. Oh, no way. The story changed so drastically. Oh, that's so cool. There was, I think we got two different tapes and there was a tape that you and I found that, that Deb and I, I did it with Deb and she and I didn't find that tape apparently. And so there's a character and it's a, you, uh, you are, um, you're entering a storage area that belonged to a woman named Josie, who has apparently left it in her will to you. That's how you enter as an audience member. You can do this as one person or you can do it as two people. So what happened when Deb and I did it is because we didn't find the one tape that you and I listened to, but we found this other one, there's a character in Josie's life that so much more unpleasant. Oh, wow. And there was a darker side to that relationship than you and I found from a different angle. You and I found a dark side to the relationship because of what Josie went through. What we found when I went back was that there was another person in her life that was not very kind. And that was the fascinating thing in going back. And it was, it was more interesting to explore because we took a slower pace than when you and I did it. And I explored an area like there was one room in particular that I didn't realize this, but every time you and I walked into that room, we, we wound up in the same corners and I went, Oh, Oh wait, I never went over there. And I opened a cabinet and there was so much stuff that you had seen. I didn't even realize I hadn't noticed. So it was really nice going back and taking a slower pace to to find other stuff and learn other stuff. And I thoroughly enjoyed it both times. That's so cool. I hope, really, really hope they extend because I want to go back. Yeah, I would I would recommend going back, definitely. Because like I said, finding that additional audio tape or two really changed the story for me. It was very, very fascinating. So I highly recommend The Nest to everyone. Uh, and for more information on The Nest, you can find that at thenestshow.com. Um, the Nest is being put on by the Scout Expedition Company, and their info is scoutexpedition.co, on Facebook, Scout Expedition CO, on Instagram, Scout Expedition CO, and on Twitter, Scout Expedition. And we got mail. Yes, we did. And we're going to do something we haven't done before. Yeah, <laughs> mainly because I got mail last night. We're going to open it live. Really? We'll do it live. <laughs> open uh, it. Oh, look, it's a. And you just broke every collectible in there <laughs> by shaking it like that. So, uh... so Russell is opening it right now as we speak. And you realize that's the bottom of the box, right? No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Oh, it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's already open. I just you may as well the bottom just go. of the box. Okay. All right. So I'm. I'm. Okay. So what do we got? By the way, did we mention that I'm opening a box of dread? Uh, we did now. Oh. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's like Christmas. It is. Oh, this is signed. Yeah. What is it? <laughs> since <laughs> since you know this is a video and all. <laughs> I'm sorry. I uh, I got wrapped up in it. Uh, it's a Hatchet comic book. Adam Green's Hatchet. Signed by James Kohorik. This is really cool. It's issue number zero. They're nailing it with the comics and like signed stuff. That's very cool. And it has um, uh, a really, really nice cover of Victor Crowley 
that's really cool. That that's really cool. I also look um, if you're familiar with Fulci Comics, which uh, I believe one of the earlier boxes we got a Fulci comic. Yes. So they have a sticker for Fulci Comics from Ebon Press. So and oh, this is cool. From Aliens, we have an Ellen Ripley Funko. Your pile is going to get bigger at work. Uh, yeah, my my workmates are joking with me that I now am collecting Funkos slowly but surely of all the horror figures. I work with collectors, so you know. <laughs> so if there's one person near me that works in their office. They literally have hundreds. Really, I am not exaggerating. <laughs> I I don't think I'll ever have that, but th- this is really cool. You know, Ellen Ripley, and she's got her gun. And it's from Aliens. That that's the, the wow. This is really cool. And there's one more thing. We have a poster of the Hatchet comic. It, it looks like that might be the the cover that's not exclusive to Box of Dread. Very 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 cool. It's a poster of Victor Crowley over uh, standing over a. Um, I guess you would describe it as a nubile young blonde. But that's how you describe <laughs> it. You are such a writer. <laughs> For those who are normal, <laughs> oh. for those who aren't writers and would not describe women as nubile and young blondes, um, it's it's a comic. It looks like it's an illustration, and the girl is definitely in stereotypical horror movie fashion. She has a half shirt with her underboob sticking out, and you have Victor over her with the axe, well, with the hatchet, I should yes. say. Oh, uh, that that's that uh, I'm going to go home and I'm probably going to read that tonight. That, yeah, that's, it was a good one. Yeah, that's awesome. And that with the Funko Pop figure of Ripley is really cool. So, yeah, nice, nice score in the Box of Dread this month. Yeah, the, the last couple have been really good. Yeah, definitely. And when you whenever you get like a pop, like even if it's not an exclusive, it just adds so much value to it. Yeah, absolutely. For more information on the Box of Dread, you can find them on the web at boxofdread.com on Facebook, Instagram and also Twitter box of dread and we have some new things to announce drunken devil has announced the sinner social club an exclusive membership that promises to elevate the party going experience for a select group of participants so they are offering a membership for their future events which is kind of a good idea and one of those events later in the year seems to be exclusive only to the membership members yeah which is a really cool perk yeah, so uh, Drunken Devil's events in the past, he's been doing horror-themed parties uh, centering on the Drunken Devil character, and uh, they have been successful, and they are sort of mystical characters or horror characters wandering through the crowd, engaging with you during the course of the night. It's much of a bar, disco, club, party vibe to their events. Uh, really fun, and this is going to be an interesting development. I, I wish them well with this. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're interested, you might be wondering, well, how much is it? What do I get? Uh, it The membership is for only 50 people, and it's $250, and you pay that in two installments. And what that gets you is tickets to the next two public Drunken Devil events. Uh, one of them is going to be in July, and then one of them is going to be during haunt season in October. And in addition to the parties, you get access to private pre-show cocktail hours featuring cabaret performers, um, small bites, probably hors d'oeuvres, um, special cocktails, and all tied together with the theme of the main event. Uh, and going to what you just said, Russell, there's going to be a private event uh, taking place at a secret location only for those members on in in December. So that's pretty cool. It looks like it's only 
open to those who are over 21 and that's probably just because of the bar aspect probably um but if you're interested tickets go on sale on april 30th and you can find tickets for the membership at thedrunkendevil.com slash membership uh for more information on general drunken devil things and to sign up for their mailing list and get info on upcoming parties go to thedrunkendevil.com on facebook the drunken devil on Instagram, The Drunken Devil, and on Twitter, Drunken Devil underscore CA. Another new show to announce, which is going to be part of the Fringe Festival, uh, is a show from someone we met from doing the Tension Experience, which is uh, Larry slash Lawrence Myers. Larry did a show in Fringe last year, and he's doing a new show this year. And I think going through Tension really helped him create something new. Um, just based on that inspiration. And the reason we're announcing it specifically right now is because tickets are going on sale for the main show, May 1st, for Fringe. But what he's doing is he's having a prelude and a finale that are not part of Fringe that you can do. And those are going to be shorter and smaller, more intimate experiences. Um, So I think that's pretty cool that he's adding a, a before and after that won't really necessarily affect the show at fringe so you can go to the sh- the fringe show and be fine but if you know larry and you know what he loves about immersive theater you're probably going to want to check out the the prelude and the finale the show is called dark arts and you can go to darkartsplay.com starting on may 1st to find tickets for the prelude and the finale and as you said mike this is part of the fringe festival and i find it interesting that already we're getting wind of probably multiple shows that will be in fringe with an immersive element this year. So uh, the fact that he's actually going above and beyond and adding a couple of things in addition to the normal fringe show, this, this should be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's got planned. Yeah. I'm excited just because, you know, we always joke about Larry and, you know, he's one of those guys that we can joke with and, you know, just knowing how much he loved going through tension and right. all the other immersive experiences. I'm really excited to see what, what he pulls out. Mm-hmm. Now, Mike, uh, we were supposed to hear from Larry, but instead uh, he was unable to join us. So he sent a message uh, from Lindsay and Andrew, who are the partners of Klein and St. Jude. Uh, They're going to give us some basic information about this show. Mike Russell. Hello, my name is Lindsay Klein. I am Andrew St. Jude. We are the managing partners of LA's premier crisis communications firm, Klein and St. Jude. And our slogan is we save people. We want to share news about events we're hosting in June. But for those of you who don't know about crisis communications, we are a PR firm that helps anyone being unfairly attacked by the media. People, companies, mom and pop businesses, anyone that's being lied about. A firm like ours sets the record straight and exposes whoever started the lie. So, uh, spin doctors without the spin. Exactly. So, we got this idea. It was your idea. Not It was. Yes, it was. And it's brilliant. Okay, well... She's being, she's being modest and brilliant, which is why our clients love her. You are embarrassing me. Oh. Okay. All right. Anyway, we were helping a restaurant uh, that was being destroyed by some bucktard lunatic on Yelp. We met with the offended party, and it turns out they just wanted to be heard. And when we reviewed our smaller cases, resolving the crisis... Often depends on something deeply personal. So we thought, 
why not offer crisis management services to the public? Because you are in crisis whether you think you are or not. There's always one thing on your mind, isn't there? It could be something huge stressing you out. Something in the back of your mind, taking up emotional space. How to deal with that annoying neighbor, a family squabble. Affairs of the heart, uh, an issue with a co-worker, anything, and you just need... You need that objective voice. Have you ever talked to a stranger in a bar? Just poured your heart out to them, and then they just... They say that one piece of wisdom... That sets it all back on course. We are that voice, except we are experts and not some drunken slob. So, on select dates in June, you can consult with us about your crisis, and we will resolve it. And we are presenting this consultation in the form, uh, I don't know, of, of... What do they call it? Immersive theater. Immersive theater, right. It is the first of three standalone shows for this year's Hollywood Fringe Festival. It is called Dark Arts Prelude. And your consultation is a prelude to the second piece, which is a traditional proscenium play about what our firm does. It's, how would you describe that show? Uh, as House of Cards meets Veep. Perfect. So the proscenium show is called Dark Arts. And after the proscenium show, in the last week of June, you can return to us for a follow-up consultation. That's an immersive theater piece called Dark Arts Finale. So, it's a traditional proscenium show with immersive bookends. Each one stands alone. Now, tickets. For the proscenium show, you can only purchase those on the Fringe website. Tickets for the immersive shows, however, are only going to be available at www.darkartsplay.com. That's all one word, Dark Arts Play. So come see us, and we'll resolve your crisis. We are Klein and St. Jude. And we save people. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Russell. Thanks, guys. This is going to help a lot of people. Yeah, it really will. This is, this is a fantastic idea. So I'll see you later. Yeah, I'll be over around 9. Love you. Love you, too. So like I said, it's darkartsplay.com, and you can get tickets there for the finale in Prelude on May 1st. And then on the Fringe site, search for Dark Arts, and you can buy tickets to that regular show uh, on the Fringe site. And we'll, of course, have links to everything in the show notes. Now, for some things happening this weekend and next weekend, uh, we have Urban Death at Zombie Joe's. It's going to be the last weekend this weekend, uh, so make sure you go. And also, Force of Nature Productions, Tales from Tomorrow, uh, is going to be, it's their last weekend as well. Uh, the following weekend, we have The Nest going on. Uh, unfortunately, it's sold out, but keep an eye out because people have canceled and they have released tickets. Uh, Bats Day weekend is going on at, around Disneyland and at Disneyland. And the start of Speakeasy Society's Johnny Part 3, The Living, which I can't wait. Yeah, I'm so excited for that show. All right. Russell, it's, yes, it's time. Yes, it is for that goddamn stupid sound effect. Come on, come We're on. Gonna... <sighs> the lust experience. Lust. Hi there, big boy. Oh yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> just, oh. <laughs> I'm just having fun now. <laughs> I, I just can't anymore. <laughs> oh, come on. It was fun. No, I have this like, no, I don't have an image, but I'm picturing you like editing that and just playing that big boy part on repeat while you're sitting in your kitchen, like listening to it with headphones and like it's huge smile on your face. 
Or maybe you have a doll set up. Like, <laughs> oh. And it's like, yeah, she's talking to me. Hey. Hey. Anyways. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I couldn't resist. So so I enjoyed it. <laughs> Whatever. So, Mike, what's going on? Just don't. <laughs> well, a ton has happened since our last podcast. Um mm-hmm. Where we last left off, uh, we talked about Noah getting arrested after the focus group. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple days after that, uh, we meet someone new named Macy Jones. And she sends an email to all of us. And apparently, she is the executive assistant to Sarah Sinclair. And the press release told us that the Sinclairs are overwhelmed by the thought and concern for Noah. And they wanted her to reach out to everyone with an update. And she, she gave us an update. Uh, Noah's fighting this momentary medical setback with his trademark strength and determination. And we wish to thank everyone for their continued support. And we're 100% confident that Noah and the system will be back helping everyone in the very near future. So once I got this email, I sent an email back to her because she was a new character or because she was a new person and I wanted to try to get a little bit more info out of her. And I also sent my well wishes to the Sinclairs because, you know, they haven't done anything bad to me. So, mm-hmm. um, and she wrote back with, uh, what she does, like her responsibility to Sarah and the Sinclairs and whatnot. But there was something that else that she said that freaked me out. Hmm. Um, and she ended her email with, I've heard a lot about you, Mr. Fontaine. We all have. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And scary. We all being... Exactly. <laughs> who? So being that there's so many people who think the Sinclair Inc. is sort of a puppet of maybe OSDM. Right. Or is Noah just bragging that he got me naked in Ascension and right. Sarah was bragging about how she kicked some dude out? You know, or is it that, you know, uh, maybe, maybe, who knows? So, uh, interesting. So, but that's not the last we hear from Macy that she developed into an interesting person really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the next email, which sort of came from Macy was a mistake, right? It was. So Melissa got an email from Macy, except it was not addressed to Melissa. It was addressed to Melinda. Right. Similar names. Could be an innocent mistake. M-E-L-I, if you're typing that and yeah. it auto-populates. Yeah. I, th- that's happened to me. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've never sent anything quite this blunderous, thank God. So Melissa Getta. Melissa Getta. Melissa Getta. <laughs> the Melissa email from Macy that was addressed to Melinda actually was from Sarah. And it's this sort of not a rant but definitely an angry email and it says first of all yes of course i recognize the severity of this situation but please do not mistake my confidence in my abilities to handle this as indifference we were already in front of the situation had completely discredited anything he might say or do now of course we are assuming that he's she is referring to noah right and possibly the arrest situation Furthermore, there was no incident. There were minor reports he reached out to the test group with some incoherent and rambling nonsense, but we had already 
alienated him from any allies he might have there. Any paranoid mentions of replication went largely unnoticed. If they do begin to look further, we will assault them with misinformation and confusion. I guarantee this is not a problem. My husband's glory days are long gone, and he no longer has the stamina to follow through with anything other than satiating his own warped desires. He will be back in line shortly, and this will be a momentary blip that was immediately course-corrected by me and my team. I implore you for continued patience and understanding. So first of all, the fact that Sarah is imploring Macy for patience, uh, maybe was this originally not intended to go... Uh, it, it, it went to multiple people. There are multiple names on the email, and uh, which is uh, characters we really haven't heard much from, but it was good to know that you know the names were included in that email uh it seems to be douglas marrow brian blattman melanie aberdeen and macy jones is on the email from sarah so but he, there's a couple of things referenced in there mike really quickly the fact that he she says something well he reached out to the focus group is she referring to that weird sort of incoherent seemingly inebriated rant that he went on during the focus group if that's what she's referring to, she is spinning this so hard. So I, I the the interesting thing to me is the fact that this is an admission from Sarah that he's out of control. But you're forgetting, you're missing one major part. You didn't read the part that Macy forwarded. Oh, I'm sorry. That that uh, yes, I guess that would be helpful, wouldn't it? <laughs> the way this began, this was a forwarded email, and to this Melinda, she says. Great catching up last night. Definitely feeling it this morning. Regarding the situation, in quotes, we were speaking about at dinner. It keeps getting worse. See below. Don't know how she continues to put the spin on this. They honestly have no clue where he is, and I'm okay with that. He's better and safer without them. Call you after work. So she's admitting that Noah is missing at that point, which some people were theorizing and Sinclair Industries were trying to spin that he was not missing. He was in medical care. Right. And one thing I just, when you were reading Sarah's part, know what it reminded me of? Hmm. The emails from Samson to the clockmakers. I can see that. Like, everything's cool. Everything's fine. Like, don't worry. Don't kill me. <laughs> and wasn't that also when we also saw that side of Michelle where she was kind of rebellious against yeah. Samson? Uh-huh. So th this has a similar vibe to it. Yeah. So the next day after that forwarded email, a couple of fun things happened. On Noah's website, a new page appeared entitled Join Us. And it says, my medical situation in, recent, in a recent job vacancy, which many believe that was Macy because Melissa outed her. On accident. Which we assume would cost you your job. Yeah. Don't talk crap about the boss. Uh, recent job vacancy has left me more determined than ever, but it has also made me realize that I need to support myself with powerful, hungry, and motivated people willing to do whatever it takes to get to the next le level. I'm back and ready to tear down everything standing in the way of our mutual success going forward, and I have just one question for you. Are you ready to join us as I gear up to come back bigger and better than before? What does it take to be a Noah Sinclair insider? Why don't you tell us? Make some damn noise. Shake it up. Post a video. Disrupt your coworker's day in a way they will never forget. Profess why you want this out loud with a vengeance. Whatever you do, do it big and do it proud. Ideal candidates will have experience with email etiquette, Microsoft Office, Adobe, and a mastery of the social media arts. And on that webpage is a picture of you and Buzz from the focus group. 
Yes, it was the moment when um, Buzz was convincing me to change my position, or re- at least re- renegotiate my position on infidelity. Redefine, I think, might be a better word. Yeah, it, it's funny because, um, so this page went up, and immediately people just started making videos, and we have some creative people in our community. The community <laughs> is pretty damn impressive, and there's a lot. There's a huge talent pool here. That is clear. Yeah, I and mean, some really wicked senses of humor. Oh man, I had an idea for a video that was going to be fantastic, but I I couldn't pull it off because <laughs> I don't have kids. So, <laughs> anyways, like Buzz made a video, Addison, uh, Derek, uh, Julie, so many, uh, and then Andrew made an anti-Buzz one, which was which great, was funny. Um, so yeah, and and the people that started making videos started getting phone calls um, from, I believe, Sarah saying, "We notice what you, we notice what you're doing. Keep it up. We like it so far. You know what? What else can you do? That kind of stuff." Which is it? it so basically, people were, you know, trying to tear each other down to get this job position so it was a it was like a dirty political campaign well i wouldn't say they're tearing each other down because it was they were just saying why they should be a, a noah sinclair insider okay there was no i mean the buzz and andrew thing is i think it's it's different because they seem, because they're such good friends yeah, that we would know that would be like you and me like doing something like that oh. you know Whereas, like, if you were really into Noah, I would make a video saying, like, don't trust Russell or something. Same thing. Like, right. I, I okay. wouldn't say that attacking because that's out of fun and out of friendship. Right. Okay. All right. It, it just, like, I just was, I, maybe it's because I'm so sensitive to negative political ads. You're just sensitive. Uh, thank you. You're yeah. A delicate okay. flower. <laughs> I am not. Uh, so, yeah. So that continued for a while. And, and I, like I said, I, I was impressed by some of the creativity. That's for sure. Uh, Brianna made one. Uh, which was kind of cool, and a lot of people reacted because she was uh, in the middle of this gigantic chess set. So that was kind of cool, and people reacted to the symbolism of that. And yeah, it, like it, it was an interesting couple of days there when those videos were being reacted to. And all during this time, the Lust Facebook is posting um, YouTube videos of songs that have certain lyrics uh, about love and betrayal, and they're also posting pictures of of statues like famous statues and quotes from Roman. Well, there's been a whole wide variety of like philosophical quotes. Yeah. There's a Nietzsche quote, you know, uh, so, um, yeah. But a lot of them have to do with trust and, you know, there was one song that was, where do you sleep? Where did you sleep last night? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, that's like, it's, is this in regards to Noah and Sarah? Is this in regards to Macy? Like who's posting this and what's the reason? Yeah. But I will say killer taste in music. (laughs) Don't use killer. (laughs) (laughs) So not in this context? (laughs) Uh, Not yet. (laughs) So, all right. uh, Really cool taste in music. Uh, Even a Jim Crochet song, which, boy, did that bring back memories for me. My (laughs) older sisters were really into Jim Crochet. (laughs) And then later that day, Noah from his spam account posted on the forums and basically told Sarah that she ruined his life. I mean, he made a Star Wars reference, so that was pretty cool. And which a lot of people take that because he made a star. He said Admiral Akbar, so we, all of us nerds, were like, "It's a trap." Yes. So, you know, I think Noah is warning us that Sarah's a trap or something. I it don't could know. be very, very likely, and we don't know the game yet, so it's a warning that may pay off. Yeah. And then the next day, something 
just out of left field happens to us. We're all concentrating on the Noah, Sarah, Macy debacle. And a few people get phone calls about a new website called iconfidant.net. And there's a website and there's a Facebook. It's run by someone named Stacy. And they want to set you up with your perfect companion. So immediately this go, a lot of people started going back into the, okay, we were just talking about AI and, you know, putting people's information into something else. Like what if this is part of that and, and whatnot. And which there, there is a certain aspect of the iConfidant site that you get the information, you, you get the impression that they're looking for your information if you move forward with them, which is very similar to what we went through last year with attention experience. The OSDM has our personal information because of how they gathered it and we willingly gave it. What better way to get people to willingly give you personal intimate information than to promise them to improve their life with it? Right. So this is either brilliant or insidious or both. (laughs) Uh, so on the website, there was an email and reading people's emails made me realize that I'm doing this whole thing wrong. How so? What do you mean? <laughs> well, okay. So when people would post, put, people posted on the forums, like, this is what I wrote and this is the response I got. Um, I, you know, we always say like, be yourself. Yeah. And I was myself and I'm, I was too. I guess I'm boring. So because, you know, when I look at the when I looked at the website, it's like we're currently in beta testing. And because of my job, it's like, oh, you're beta testing. You need beta testers. So yes. I was like, I, you know, I'd be interested in being a beta tester. I, I you know, I do this. I, I'd like to help, you know, nothing about, you know, I'm looking for a special friend. I'm looking for a person. I want to take you up on your offer. You know, it was just about beta testing. But people were were getting so um heartfelt heartfelt and creative and revealing yeah like sharing like really like like personal stories with this and it was like wow like i am no wonder i didn't get selected like my (laughs) my email sucks like you know but you know it like kudos to them for for doing that but yeah it was and uh some people that wrote in with with those good stories i was just talking about got emails back saying we'd like to like talk to you tomorrow you know let's have a call right. that kind of thing so i was like okay that's cool and i was somewhere in between cuz i i wrote and yes i i was the same thing mike i was myself and and personally i would never consider you boring but um <laughs> give <laughs> <that> it was, <laughs> time <laughs> the uh what i did is i wrote in response to their website I'm like okay this is interesting but it's not what I'm looking for. But the fact that they stress the word companion and they stress very heavily that it's not a dating service mm-hmm. that, and that's me. I was like, I'm not looking for a dating service, but companion, I have really good friends in my life. Which apparently you don't, if you're looking for new ones. Well, <laughs> Hey, whatever. It's like, uh, I just, the, I thought their tactic was interesting. And I, I flat out said, I was like, I, you are normally someone I would not email. But because of your wording, because of what you're stressing, that's why you're getting this email. And I got the response, not that I was accepted, but I got the response of, oh, good that you noticed that. And yeah, we're not a dating site. There's more to this. And we look forward to getting registered sometime in the future. Mm -hmm. So and I, I wrote back again as myself and said, thank you for the consideration and I let just let them know, like, I'm really interested and very open-minded about what they might have to offer. 
So, and I just want to clarify something. We're not saying that everybody that emailed them like stories like this are not themselves. Like, don't take it like that. We're saying it like that. I'm just saying like, I, I guess I don't go above and beyond sometimes when it comes to, because the same thing happened when I emailed Noah, you know, it's like, for more information on upcoming seminars, email us. Which so, is what I did as yeah, well. Yeah, I was like, I'd like more information on your upcoming seminars. And then they throw it back in my face, like your one line email, blah, blah, blah. And, um, but yeah, and, you know, other people that email Noah, same thing. They went on this like big thing, but I mean, that's them and that's awesome. But, you know, like, I guess that's, that's the difference between, between some people, like, you know, because like this, this really shows you how, how different people think about things. Well, if if you're looking at this entire universe, I am not going to create a fictionalized character. I'm going to be myself. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's what other people are doing, but myself, if I'm told to ask for more information, if I'm interested, that's what I did. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to send a story. I followed like, the instructions. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying if if somebody embellished or or you know went into more detail, that's not a bad thing. And w- especially with the iConfidant site, I think the natural inclination would be like, oh, this is why I'm looking at you. It's like because I do want a companion. I do want. So that's a little more because that's a social vibe. Yeah. The Noah Sinclair stuff was a business vibe. And the iConfidant thing is more of a, because they stress companion. And that's where I went where I did in my email of like, look, this is not what I would normally engage in, but your wording is different enough that I'm intrigued. And that's what they responded to immediately. But I did not get a confirmation. And like you said, some people got contacted and asked if they were available for an on-phone consultation of some kind. Right. Later that day, Leah got a call from Noah saying that he needs to meet her like tomorrow. And so there's going to be a meeting with Noah, with Leah. And her description of what happened is insane. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. Like I could picture it like in my mind, like, and I could see it in like movie form. And it was yeah. so creepy. What happened was she met Noah at a park. Well, she didn't meet him. She went to a park where he told her to go. And I guess while she was waiting for him, a homeless guy came up to her and asked her for change. And the homeless guy was actually Noah. And he was talking about all just crazy kind of conspiracy type things and saying that we're ants to them. It it was just weird. And then all of a sudden, everybody in that's in the park, like there's people like, you know, like hanging out reading and families or whatever at one point they all stop and stare at them like all at the same time so there's like robots in the park apparently and noah is walking away from leah and apparently they all start chasing him and a car pulls up and more people get out and they chase him as well and they finally catch him and they bring him back to the car and put him in the car and then they leave And it's interesting to note that in Leah's description, apparently one of the things that Noah had said was he made a sort of a generic reference, I guess. If if my understanding of what Leah said or recounted was he made a difference about like, look at all those people. They're just robots. Right. Which I would never think robot. I would think robotic in their lives. I would think unengaged. I would think... um, 
just part of the machine of society. And that's where I would go. And so when, when I read that description and she described that moment when everyone turned, it's like, wait, actual robots? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. This Wait, this just took a weird turn. And yeah, and you're right. And you know, you mentioned you could visualize it in your head. You know what I visualized? What? Uh, the ending of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake with Donald Sutherland. Ah. That final, like, encounter which takes place in on a really creepy overcast day in a park Mm -hmm. so that that's immediately where i went yeah there's definitely some correlation between that yeah and then all of the other talk you know like in the last podcast we were mentioning that there were theories about ai and there were you know all these like are like the 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 c word clone has not been used heavily (laughs) the c word i was thinking of (laughs) especially in lust (laughs) So send those emails to Mike <laughs> <laughs> at myoutlife.com. <laughs> yes, the 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 clone word uh, really hasn't been brought up a lot, but I think some people are theorizing that that's why they want information, such information, maybe you know. And then the iConfidant thing sort of adds to that conspiracy conspiracy theory. If you're buying into that, this is all one big conspiracy. So then you add to that that park sequence, Mike, like. There's an overall creepiness to this vibe that is actually, for me, really interesting. So then the people started getting calls from iConfidant, though the people that uh, got replies from Stacy uh, for the conference call. Uh, so they got calls, and once people started talking about it, there first of all they they weren't allowed to talk about it until a certain time. And we know why once people started talking about it. <laughs> so what happened is they would play a sound to the person on the phone. Then they would be asked three quick questions. The interesting thing is the third question, we started seeing a pattern. And the third question being asked were all questions that you would answer for lost password or how to recover an account, like that kind of stuff. What was your mother's maiden name? Yeah, exactly. What's your first pet's name? The first, the street you grew up on. The school that you went to as a child. That kind of stuff. So once people started putting those dots together, it was, it was chaos because it was like, oh crap, like they have this personal information. And then people started thinking like, what if they're, it's not about like, you know, creating someone, it's about taking your own identity from you in all all these other things. And it's just, it's just, oh, it's so nuts. Well, it was really interesting because, you know, they, they played a sound and then a couple of people were asked, well, if your head hurts for, for a little while, that's understandable. It will go away. Or if you feel nauseous. That, thank you. Yeah. That was it. It was if you feel nauseous. Um, and here was like, how did, how did that, how, what did you think of that? Because I, I went to a different place. Most of the people are like, oh my gosh, what did they do? What did they do? What did they do to me? And I immediately went, when the, when the people started connecting the dots of the security questions, I immediately went to, what did they do to your phone mm, if see, they're I'm, asking for passwords? I didn't even do it that way. I, I thought of that as more of regret. Like once you realize what happened, you get sick to your stomach thinking, oh my God, my identity is going to be stolen. And that's interesting. But no, I, no, I thought it was um, that people were, were interpreting that the sound did something to them physically. Right. So because they were very specific about, can you know, are you in a quiet room? 
you know, are you sure you can hear before they played the sound for people? So, um, and I immediately went to like the moment last year when they, uh, when we gave over an unlocked phone was this a way of getting information off the phone somehow. Right. And it's classic misdirection. Yes, absolutely. It is. We're on to you, <laughs> OSDM, or whoever you are. Um, Actually, we're not, because chances are we'll get suckered into something sooner or later. We're guessing about you, whoever you yeah. are. <laughs> we're thinking that we might be kind of close to a point where we're on to you. So take that. Yeah. You don't know my mother's maiden name. Then on that same day, Macy made a phone call to Sage and gave her a Twitter and the Twitter handle is Sinclair Payback. Uh, so that's Macy's Twitter. So now we have a Twitter account for Macy. And later that day, uh, Twitter is, is usually connected to Periscope. So if you have a Twitter account, your Periscope name is going to be the same thing. So then we realize that, okay, there's a Periscope with that same name. Later that day, Macy Periscope's a drop. Uh, just like the old tension days, uh, there's an envelope that says fu and she drops it off somewhere off hollywood boulevard jared w went and, and was the one who found it and what it is is a copy of an email sent from noah to timothy granick but it's not noah it's the noah email address it's really from sarah and that email tells us a few things like sarah's probably cheating on noah with timothy and it's basically just kind of tearing Noah down. Um, she says things like her dog was off his leash and that she didn't know how it's possible, but she thinks that he hates himself more than she hates him. And she said another thing that was really interesting. We all know we can't touch daddy's little boy, but Noah Sinclair is nearly broken all over again. So daddy's little boy is Noah, the son of someone in power over... Mm -hmm over this like is Noah's father someone in you know we keep going back to OSDM but like an organization like OSDM or you know like there's so much there's so many questions from this email right and um, you know getting this email fairly quickly after the drop I think a lot of people immediately started hearkening back to the encounter with Sarah at the focus group when she insulted Noah in front of the focus group this has that vibe, except this is more vicious than that because it's obviously private. So it's going to be uh, a little less <laughs> guarded, I guess. And an another interesting thing is she tells Timothy to spin this to your superiors in a way that shows I'm on top of it and in control as always. So does she answer to Timothy who answers to an even higher power? Like, it, there's like where oh this could go so many different ways it's very corporate feeling at this point yeah but she gives him a reason to spin it <laughs> in her way yes um because she says if you do a good job she'll re wear the red pair tomorrow but if she if he does a great job she won't wear any at all lust i don't do that as well oh. as you do i <laughs> uh that could be said for a lot of things oh oh <laughs> lust uh so that's why we think sarah is having some sort of affair with timothy but there is definitely some sort of corporate ladder or organizational ladder here um that we don't have answers to just yet 
And also, can I, I want to point to something nice about the community over this that happened. Uh, Jared had a horrible phone service. Oh, that's <laughs> so. kind of an understatement. <laughs> Dude, what carrier do you have if you hear this? <laughs> so Kristen was also on the way down there as well. And they ended up after Jared tried to broadcast on Periscope and just could not. And he obviously saw enough of the feedback that he realized he couldn't he couldn't do the Periscope effectively. Kristen also showed up in the same area. They met and then they joined together and went somewhere. And Kristen actually broadcast as Jared presented the email and read it. And it was just like it was one of those moments where like the teamwork helped the entire community. It was pretty cool. Definitely. Thanks, uh- guys. And there's one thing that on that email that we haven't said yet, mm-hmm. and that's the handwritten note from Macy on it. She wrote, three years, two weeks, four days, standing by your side, and you threaten my family? F you, XO Macy. So this is definitely Macy getting payback, like her Twitter handle. Yeah, exactly. And it makes you wonder what was said to Macy specifically. Oh, yeah. Like, how did, was it just a, hey, don't come into work today, clear out your desk? Or was it, you know? Well, she's mentioned threatened my family. Right. So, and also the thing that I responded to about that, Mike, was three years. So Sinclair Inc., how long has this been around? How long has this been developing? How long, and if it has been developing for that long, what about funding and backing? Is this OSDM? Again, I, I, I keep going back to that now because, you know, they keep or they kept stressing they were the puppet masters to some degree. Mm-hmm. So I every time I see something new, I'm looking, OK, puppet. Yeah. So the fact that she mentioned that she had been involved for that long a time indicates to me that whatever the system is, whatever Sinclair Industries is up to. It's been in the works for a long time. Yeah, and she definitely knows some things. So yeah. I'm excited to see her get revenge and on this because Or at least become a really cool whistleblower. Right. Well, Minimum. wait a minute. Here's the thing. <laughs> if we're going into this like cloning type thing, if we could get a clone of her, Ooh. that way, oh my God, that way she could spread the word. Like, oh my God, what? Oh, dude. Oh my God. <laughs> Think about that. Like you have a whistleblower that is a whistleblower on a company that it's possibly cloning people or putting AI into things. What if she took her, her, what she knows and puts it into all of these different things. So that way, instead of one person spreading the word about what's really going on, you have like, you know, 10 or, you know, 50 on top of like who she reaches out to in the community. Sounds interesting. Oh, that would be so cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's got years of information apparently exactly so i i have a feeling if they threatened her family and you know just because of the mistake that she made of sending the the wrong forwarded email to the wrong place uh if they feel she is such a threat it will be interesting to see what she does with three years plus worth of information like th- th- this is one of the more interesting developments i think so far yeah because this goes back to you know, tension days when we found out about like the clockmakers and even more people that we didn't know, know about yet. Right. So Macy, bring it. Let us know. Yeah, I want. I want history. And and herstory. <laughs> and herstory. 
the next day in a typical corporate fashion, uh, a press release went out about Macy and it was from Sinclair Industries saying that an ex-employee is trying to smear the Sinclairs and the employee was dismissed after it was discovered that she had been engaging in embezzlement of funds from Noah Sinclair Inc. Upon discovery of these activities, the employee was immediately terminated and state and federal law enforcement were notified. Following her termination, the employee manufactured additional fictional communication with the sole intent of damaging the reputation of Sinclair Industries senior management. The former employee has been repeatedly requested to cease all activity and to turn herself into law enforcement. Until the matter is resolved, the public is advised to ignore all communication activity regarding Sinclair Industries except those generated directly by and from its senior management, legal counsel, or public relations agent. So they may see know some stuff and they're freaking out. Yeah, that's obvious. And, you know, something also that I want to point to, we, we have mentioned that there were updates to the Lust Experience Facebook page. Mm-hmm. They usually coincide with something. This to me was one of the more interesting ones. Around the same time that, that was going on, uh, one of the quotes that got posted on Facebook was, all the old knives that have rusted in my back, I drive in yours. Which is, um, I'm going to mispronounce this, Phaedrus quote. Sure. And uh, it was another statue photo. So here's the thing. Who's updating those quotes? Because right. that could be from either side. Exactly. So, but the fact that, 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 that and that also indicates to the revenge theory of like, the wounds are deep, they're long, there's a lot of history. There's a lot of story to unfold here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just the beginning. And one thing that we didn't mention yet about this press release is who it was written by. We uh, mentioned Larry earlier about his play in, at Fringe. This was written by Larry. And so that instantly has everyone all sussed out on Larry because... It's is like, he a plant? Yeah, exactly. Is he part of Sinclair? Um, and... The funny thing is, is it's signed by the law firm that's in his play that we just mentioned. So it's a fictional law firm in a work of fiction. Right. But everything aside, Larry came on in Periscope at 11 from his private account and told us everything's fine. And it was just, you know, he's not a plant, which is what all plants say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he explained it. I, I'm I'm going to side with Larry on this one. Uh, and just well, because I know things like this can happen. He made it sound as if he got contacted of like, look, isn't this what you do? Don't you help spin stuff? Oh yeah. And he said that on the forums. Yeah. And, and so he came clean and he said like, look, th- yeah. And I was requested and he said that this is not a f- nefarious plan of any kind that he agreed to do this release as a one-off, so to speak for the Sinclair brand, which I think is interesting and um, it sounds like they may owe Larry a favor now. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see if that plays out in any way. I got to say, if they had approached me the same way, I think I would have done the same thing. Oh yeah. I mean, that just reminds me of when I got contacted by Alistair Gordon last year when I got asked to write something and then it ended up in a brochure from that three put out. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like kind of like the same thing and, and that and the same kind of thing happened. People thought like, oh, wait, Mike never 
did that or he never said that and they're just using his name but you know and then i was like no i got asked to write this this is me like i'm everything's fine like i'm not part of it you know so i understand his struggle (laughs) on the last lust podcast we talked about a facebook update that had what seemed to be dates one of the dates was 418 which coincided with an orange county meetup that taylor was putting together so on 417 Lust posted a reminder about 418 and posts a zip code that happens to be the same zip code of the city where they were meeting, which is in Santa Ana. And then Sarah starts reaching out to people about the open position and the people that made those videos. So the next day, uh, 418, Macy calls Melissa and she accused Melissa of being ruthless for posting the email but she said she really just needs a friend right now so she reached out to to melissa and apparently macy now has no job and no family but on the flip side feels liberated by not being part of sinclair inc anymore and said that sarah is a monster noah is a narcissist and has a huge ego and but macy feels that noah deep down is a nice guy and there was some personal information shared between the two of them in that phone call. So I find it interesting that Macy is trying to befriend Melissa when Melissa was the leak. But also, I think if you're reaching out into the community, I think it makes sense that Macy would reach toward Melissa because it's the one contact. Even if Melissa did something which might have damaged Macy, it is a connection. Right. Unpleasant it may be, but it is a connection. So I find it interesting that, you know, apparently in that phone call, Macy, Melissa revealed later on the forums that Macy admitted that she had an ex and she told Melissa the reason for the breakup. And uh, I find that very intriguing that that personal connection was made. Yeah, because because, yeah, exactly. Melissa can be Macy's voice to the community. Absolutely. She could be. And Macy needs a friend, apparently. Mm -hmm. And so later that night was the Orange County meetup and... Noah and Sarah crash it. Which was fascinating. Oh, definitely. We were lucky enough to have a few people there, uh, Periscope, so like Candice, uh, Kim, thank you for doing that um, so we could be there with you. Um, but s- watching Sarah and Noah together was just, it just, it was, it just seems so off, man. Like, it just, like, you know, you, they tried so hard to make it seem like they're in love and everything's fine. And you can just, you could just tell that deep down, it's just, it's not there. Well, it, I'm, well, you, you know that I'm not a big fan of the Sinclairs. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I will say in person, Sarah impressed me. I will say that. I, I think she is, you know, a very attractive, strong woman. And, you know, the way she handled the focus group impressed me. But here's the thing is, I, you know, you say it was off. It just wasn't there. Have you ever known a couple that you just look at them and you go, oh, my God, they've been married for 20 years. But, oh, my God, I don't see why. Yeah. I don't see a spark. They have no common interests. How does that relationship work? It's purely a business thing. That's kind of how this felt to me through Periscope. Mm -hmm. I wasn't there. I didn't see, you know, and, you know, in person, physical contact reads differently than it does on a screen. So, so I don't know. I like, but that's kind of what I felt was like, like, this is a couple that they keep claiming that they are a couple. They keep stressing that. And yet there, there didn't seem to be a spark. 
Right. And seeing the posts that Noah made on the forums and seeing the leaked emails from Sarah, it makes me wonder if if Sarah was using the focus group because the questions she asked the focus group are basically things that she could convince Noah of. So what if she's using that information to convince Noah that they're a perfectly in love couple? That's interesting. So rather than my theory about the focus group was they were looking for master manipulators among us. Mm -hmm. She could be borrowing the manipulative tools that we showed her. Yeah. Like learning from the real world, because maybe she's been in this like corporate environment for too long and she needs an outside perspective. And and I have worked with people in the corporate world where you sometimes look at them like, like, why did you think that was okay? Or why did you make that decision? And you realize that it's because business is in place in front of everything else, mm-hmm. including human decency. Yep. So that's okay. That's intriguing. That's intriguing. So they did crash this scene and Sarah tried to very awkwardly tell a joke, which she had to read off note cards and then the joke fell flat and she kept getting distracted. So she decided not to tell the joke. Uh, And then Noah came in slightly later, it seemed, and they basically used it as a public service announcement opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, Sarah said, I I really appreciate supporters. I really appreciate some of you being fans of Noah. And I want you to know that Sinclair Industries is back on track. And she mentioned the upcoming May month, because in May, supposedly there is a seminar or some sort of event. And she said it's free and you're all invited. She said, I just want to make it clear that, you know, everyone's invited. And and she said the first one's free. Okay. Typical. Yeah. (laughs) She said the first one's free. So, which is also what drug dealers say. (laughs) But that's also another question. Is you all the people that were there? Just the people there? you all as in the community and everyone that was watching? Yeah, that's a good question. We don't know. But But the fact that they came in and they wanted to put on this good face. And, you know, people noted that Noah seemed to only be drinking water. And he's been accused of being inebriated in a couple of other meetings. So they made an effort in good faith, I think, to put a good face on the Noah Sinclair brand. Speaking of face, this is a crazy thing that I was thinking about just because I am I do things like this. He was wearing glasses. Mm-hmm. And the type of glasses he was wearing look extremely similar to the glasses that have a hidden camera in them. So I'm wondering if those glasses somehow, like for some reason, he, he was recording everything. Interesting. And okay, so here's the other crazy thing where I where and this is where I'm going. If Sarah is convincing him, maybe he needs to record his memories and record things that happened in case his memory gets erased so he can see what happened. So you're, that theory kind of buys into the messing with the brain somehow. Right. Which well, is, I mean, messing with the brain is is the same. That can be taken as well as convincing someone, you know, like the things from the focus group. Like, we're a great couple, Noah. We're great. That's messing with someone's brain. So what if he's recording all of these things as memories to see what really happened so that when he's at a weird place, he can go back and be like, that's what she's doing this is not real this is not like 
you know what it's supposed to be i am not in love with her or wow, i am that in love with her that paints him as this really vulnerable well yeah. that's how sarah makes him out to be in the email so it would make sense but if you think you're being messed with wouldn't you want to start doing things like that to keep right. track of it yeah true very true god you you just made me feel sympathetic toward noah sinclair you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> This is why I love having these conversations with you is because you always do something weird and twisty to my brain. <laughs> but no, that that would that would really paint him as a uh, I was about to say use the word pathetic, but that's not pathetic as a judgment or criticism. Right. Just pathetic as a like, oh wow, what a horrible place to end up. Yeah. Yeesh. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh near the end of that, it was a fairly short visit. And uh, they basically, Sarah kind of parts ways, and I guess Noah when, runs to the restroom, which we learn a little bit later about something that happened there. But uh, but the fun don't stop there, because <laughs> apparently, when we saw this on, on Periscope, thanks to Kim, uh, and what we saw was Sarah take Taylor outside and take pictures of him from all angles. And my first thought was, oh, my God, they're using this as a body scan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that goes back into the theory of, you know, AI and creating clones and things like that. So it was like, it makes sense because earlier in the in the night, Sarah was asking Taylor about his degree because he has a PhD and, Correct. you know, works with hearts and stuff. And it would make sense to want to clone someone that has that kind of intelligence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, especially stuff to do with hearts because supposedly hearts are going to get broken. So what better clone to have than to someone that can fix hearts? He would be an obvious target. Yeah. And it was interesting that she did that. And that was sort of the end of Sarah for that evening. She walked away from him and left the group. Now during the Periscope, something interesting happened. Macy showed up as tuning into the Periscope and was commenting that people should stop Sarah from taking those pictures. Right. Which completely buys into what you were just saying is that there was an ulterior motive to having those pictures taken. Right. And, but, and, and that's the thing, like, Hey, anyone that's a whistleblower, you can't just feed us tidbits of information like that <laughs> and expect us to, to react because to know what to do with them. Yeah. Like why stop her? Tell us why don't just say someone stop her on a periscope. We have no context. Like, you know, and plus it's a periscope. There's one person there watching the screen and Kim isn't going to interfere with this, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's like everybody else there was trying to be present. So they're not going to be watching a periscope because they're seeing everything live right there. So Macy, if you hear this, please give us reasons next time and, <laughs> and tell more people to stop her. And Taylor wasn't the only one that got taken away. Right. Uh, apparently Tom got brought into the bathroom with Noah and Noah gave him a burner phone and told him to, you know, always answer it and be ready. And so that means there's a burner phone out there now. Which was really odd because apparently this turned into a conversation which will continue a little bit in a few minutes. But uh, Tom later admitted that he had been given the instructions by Noah of always be available with this phone and he was also given the instruction to keep it secret and get it out of the building without anyone else knowing that Noah had given him anything. Which, on the periscope, where Taylor is being led out, 
I believe it's that periscope, you actually catch a glimpse of Tom talking to sort of a security guy, mm-hmm. which apparently what happened is when they left the restroom, the security guy noticed that Noah had been talking to Tom apparently and stopped Tom. The security guy stopped Tom and said, did he give you anything? What happened in there? And Tom played innocent. So Tom did as Noah requested at that point, kept the burner phone secret. Right. Which, and this leads into another weird in-game, out-of-game type conversation because how, like if an in-game character tells you to keep it a secret, should you? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, and that's what he was doing. But then later on the Lust Facebook, he kind of, he got called out and was like, one of you's hiding information. But But it's like, you told me to keep it secret right. in game, you know? So it's like, it's this weird, like you can't have it both ways. Yeah. They haven't quite figured finessed that process out. I don't think. So after that, um, he went to the forums and explained every, like what happened and, 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 I, and I guess that appeased everyone because then I think it got deleted off of Facebook at that point. We should also mention that his version of what happened in the restroom is that Noah actually offered him a drink. Right. Which flies in the face of Noah drinking water in public when Sarah and he showed up at that Orange County meeting that Taylor set up. Mm -hmm. So now we have a situation where Noah is in the bathroom trying to break away from Sarah and get out from under her watchful eye, apparently, and is doing some sort of weird reach out to the community through Tom and this burner phone. Right. And who knows what what like where that would lead to. You know, would he call Tom for support? Like, is Tom, would, would he be a sponsor? You know, like I'm, I want a drink and he says, no, (laughs) don't. Well, Tom said that he got a couple of phone calls fairly quickly. Uh, and basically Noah saying, you know, good, you must always answer, answer quickly. Why is it taking you so long? So obviously I think trying to set up that Tom needed to pay attention. Yeah. And apparently he made Noah upset because the next day, Leah got a package at work um, and in that package was another burner phone. And then she got an email that basically explained the situation with Tom didn't work out and to give that phone to someone that she trusts. The We had an unofficial vote on the forums and it went to Megan. So, so she handed off the phone to Megan uh, later that night and apparently Noah email Tom because Tom came forward after all this happened because we were like what is going on and Noah basically told him to he waited too long and he didn't he hoarded information and he to throw that phone in the trash which is really really weird because he had been told in game not to to give the information so (laughs) this was a very weird situation yeah and it sounds you know to some degree you know did Tom get the short end of the stick here because he followed instructions. It's it's very, very odd. And the forum actually had some of this conversation and offline some of this conversation was having. Right. right? And, this, and this goes back to, to everything that we were talking about earlier about, you know, we do this as ourselves. Yeah. You know, knowing Tom and knowing, you know, his personality and the way he is, he totally did this as himself. Oh, he yeah. didn't do a character like, you know, Tom is, is Tom and he's going to act as Tom. And it's, in his description, he he turned down the drink from Noah because that's Tom. He wouldn't drink with someone who might be having problems with alcohol. That's Tom. Yeah. So this, this was an odd development. Um, so Leah wound up with a burner phone. 
yeah. And then the community voted and she gave that one to Megan at, uh, later that day. Then the next day we get an email from Noah, Noah Sinclair Inc. And in that email was a link to another new page on the, on Noah's site, which is noahsinclair.com slash truth dot HTML. Um, and on that page are three videos. Mm-hmm. Um, we were previously mentioning the videos that people were making for to be a Noah Sinclair insider. And there were three videos. Um, one of them was from Julie, one of them was from Buzz, and one of them was a combination between Nicole and Taylor. And in these videos, these were new videos than the original ones sent, but each of these videos was very pro Noah and it was very, it was very press release ish as it like to copy Sarah's like smear campaign kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like don't believe the hype. And then there were points in each video where they shamed Tom. It felt like. Yeah, they pointed to somebody who tried to discredit Noah Sinclair at this meeting, which they voluntarily went to and wanted to engage their their public that, that was interested in Sinclair Industries. They referenced that this event, which should have been great and fun and social and casual, was tainted by someone trying to compromise Noah Sinclair, which is apparently Tom. Right. Uh... <laughs> It comes off a little strong. Right. Because not only do you have the Facebook post about someone's not sharing information, the email to Leah that said he didn't do it good enough. So I'm giving the phone to you now. Mm-hmm. Now you have these three videos as well. And it just, you know, my first reaction is like, dude, he, okay. If you think he messed up, he messed up. Leave him alone. Yeah. I, I thought this was really, uh, this made me uncomfortable because I thought they were bullying at this point. Right. And that ain't cool. So I'm sorry if it's an ARG or not. It ain't cool. So also in that email, besides the link to this new this new webpage, there was a new Twitter account as well. And it said that the Sinclairs will address the public tonight at 830. And the Twitter handle is Sinclair Inc. Except the L in Sinclair is a capital I. So if you're looking for this Twitter account, it's Sin Iyer <laughs> Inc. Um, because Sinclair Inc. was actually already taken by someone, you know, back in the day. So, but I mean, this works. If you look at it, it looks like it says Sinclair Inc. But if you're searching for it, it's Sin Iyer. Um, but we'll have a link to this in the show notes as well. Uh, like we said before, uh, Twitter is usually connected to Periscope. So we found the Periscope as well. And later that night, we see them periscope from their quote-unquote happy home. How do you feel that went? Dude, I have no idea. Because it started off as like a, hey, we're cool, everyone. And then Noah goes on this rant that kind of doesn't make any sense to me. Well, the first of all, the the tension between them was so awkward. Yeah. It, it it felt very awkward. It did not feel like a loving couple to me personally. And also Noah was very distracted. And at one point Sarah asked him to get off the phone. And also Noah later admitted that he did something kind of juvenile. <laughs> That's pretty funny, <laughs> but I'm a juvenile. So, so <laughs> yeah, this is right up your alley, isn't it? Uh, basically making uh, like, Oh, be seemingly is distracted and makes like points over to something off screen 
and says, oh, what's happening over there? Where? Under there? And Sarah goes, underwear. So right. he, uh, Noah later, t- you know, I posted that it was like, I made her say underwear. But it makes me wonder if that's him knowing about the email to Tim. That might be. It might be a reference to the red pair. Right. So maybe Noah is very, very Wait aware. a minute. Red pair, red room. Oh, <laughs> what kind of secrets do you, do you share in the red pair? Oh, interesting. <laughs> so the, I didn't even make that connection. Wow. Red pair, underwear. Wow. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, they are basically repeat some of what was said the night before that Sinclair and Suze is back on track. The, there's seminars coming in May. All of that, but at the end, Noah sort of grabbed the phone that was being used to Periscope and does go on a bit of a rant of, like, we're... And it's sort of a, you know, what I call testosterone cowboy vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, I'm the alpha male. You know, I'm the one in charge. You know, I'm in control. If you want to take life, you know, by the horns, this is what you need to do. Join us. And Sarah actually pulled the phone away from him to sort of end it because it was not fitting the vibe of the first half of the periscope. Obviously I think Sarah wanted it to be a calm, cool, collected look at us in our happy home. And they did, by the way, reference the son, Tim, Mm -hmm. right? Which we've heard about, but have never seen evidence of. And did you notice that there was no evidence of a son in the periscope? Right. Supposedly this was their home, but they kept it a very, very tight, tight, closed off shot. But, I mean, the son's name is Tim. She might be having an affair with a Tim. Is Tim not Noah's? Oh, no. I can't. No. I just, uh, ooh, wow. I don't know. Mm. Oh, man. I want to say something about the Get Down season two, but <laughs> if you watch it, it's the second part, you'll, like, you'll understand. But, man, that could be something nuts. Well, it, it is interesting that... that you know, we had we've had a couple references to their son, and there's no evidence this child exists. Right. And their home is that sterile vibe to it, at least what we saw in this periscope. So yeah, I, the periscope for me just seems so awkward more than anything else. Just their vibe was not a, that of a loving couple, and yeah. I know it was supposed to be somewhat damage control and spin of see we are back on track. Mm-hmm. And you know, even his rant at the end seemed a little over the top. Yeah, and earlier that night, uh, Macy called Melissa again, and she also called Tom. She wanted to make amends with Melissa, and she did mention Tom in that in that exchange. And you know, we were just talking about Tom, but she said that Tom was getting attacked recently, and they've been treating him really poorly. And Sarah is never going to stop and leave a trail of bodies in her way. And she said that Noah is not a lost cause, but calls Sarah a puppet and too far gone. She said something interesting in that value the craftsmanship of things of value, value the people too. She just said she, that they'll talk again. Um, but it's really, it's really interesting because, you know, we were just talking about Macy and what she knows, but man, like she has, she's like a data mine, like waiting to explode. And oh I, yeah. And I can't wait. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to shake Macy's hand someday. <laughs> <laughs> For being so, a snitch? No, no, just like the whole, like, <laughs> she's obviously dealing with a lot of crap. And, you know, she obviously got the short end of the stick by being fired for a mishap. 
So, but my sympathy goes out to her. Yeah. Uh, we talked about iConfidant earlier and that some people had phone calls with them and some people got accepted into the beta tests and whatnot. Uh, a lot of us got an email the following day saying we are, congratulations, we're accepted and we had to do a few things. We had to send them a picture of with something that we love, um, send them our phone number um, and some interesting things. There were two questions that we had to answer. One of them was, think of the saddest moment of your life and what three words come to mind. Yeah. And then what name one word that would describe your relationship with your mother, which is just odd. Like, I don't want to become friends with someone based on those questions. <laughs> yeah, it's a I find it very odd as well. And, and I don't understand the mother question in particular, but, you know, the the photo of things that you love thing or things that you love. And um, I know people went to the forums and said, you know, it's like, it's hard to do that because, you know, everything from my family members are in different States and I love them. And like all of these other things came out, like, what if I, you know, what if they're not here? What if I can't do it? And, and some people said, well, can I take a picture with something, you know, I, a picture of, and, and so, and actually I think anything would be acceptable, but I, I think you, I'm sure they're getting pictures of people with photos of what they love. Right. I, I know sense. like someone, like I think Dan posted a picture of him and bacon, yeah. you know, stuff like that. <laughs> but Dan uh, is a good man. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but the one thing that stuck out to me in this email was Stacy sounds like her life is horrible because I took her example as her questionnaire. I did notice that the examples they give are pretty dark. Yeah. Because what, 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 in the email, they, they give you an example, like, like uh, change the subject of this email with your first name last, your, uh, your last name first, first name last. And she actually writes her name that way. Right. And then for... The saddest moment of your life, yeah. she put abandoned, isolated, cold, the relationship with her mother, empty. And then she has a picture of her dog with her yeah so yeah i mean empty relationship and abandoned isolated and cold like i thought it was odd that they gave you such almost negative examples right and even if your response is well i mean your response is to what is the saddest moment of your life i think that's that's leaning toward negative oh it totally is so in the relationship with your mother completely depends from person to person whether that's going to be positive or negative. Right. But I mean, this this shows me insight as to why she would want to create a site to find friends. Yes. I think that is quite possible. Mm -hmm. Russell, going back to like, you know, me being me and whatnot, I wrote back I, and I did I didn't answer the questions and put a picture, but I wrote back and was like, you know, I I really not looking for a companion like I have a great group of friends and I don't know if there's a way you can make find me a better one you know it's interesting that you say that because my original response like you know when she said well we're interested in you registering you in the future my response was you know hey this might be more than you need right now but but you know, I'm happy because you say you're not a dating site and I said look romantic entanglements is the way I put it it's like I've reached an age where that's not what I'm looking for. Even, and I also said I wouldn't turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> but I also said, you know, it's like the companionship, the friendship, I have good friends. Right. And if you have a system which there might be someone out there 
that is another friend for me to appreciate like that's that's sort of like yeah okay great let's let's fine let's try this right well what and what i said also was i understand that you're like a startup and i want to help and i know this is the only way i can help so here's everything but you know, I, I don't think you'll be able to find me like that perfect match, oh. you know, so I'm, I, I want to help, you know, but I'm just curious as to what they would find for me. Right. It's going to be like me or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just, it is like, you know, as you just said, uh, um, yeah, I've got some really great friends, man. Yeah. So, you know, I'm curious as to what they might offer. And here's the, you know, you know, me, it's about the exploration of the emotional and the psychological what would I learn from what they bring to the table Yeah, about myself? I will say this. I don't, I was not accepted, Mike, at the beginning when some people were and were asked about the phone calls. But at the exact hour that those were going out, I was in a work meeting and I got a phone call from an unidentified number. And I wonder if it was them, but I wasn't expecting one because I hadn't received an email saying I was accepted. I was I was saying that we I might be registered in the future. So it'll be interesting to see what they respond if they respond to what I submitted. And you and my picture I did I I I took a picture of myself with pictures of what was important to me. Right. And a couple of objects and things that I have around my home that are important to me. Now there was one interesting little glitch in all of this. Morgan, who you and I both know, Mike, had gotten one of those original phone calls and yet apparently was not part of this group that got the email. So I think I believe he reached out actually and said, hey, am I still accepted? And he got a personal response saying that there was someone named Kristen who had compiled the list and maybe Kristen had made a mistake and that it would be rectified and he was added to the list. And he he sounded surprised at how quickly that happened. And then apparently he got a phone call from Kristen. And Kristen apologized, but here's the interesting thing. Through some banter back and forth, Kristen apparently offered up the chance to meet and have some coffee. So it's interesting that Morgan... It's that accent, man. Uh, yeah, probably. It's the accent. <laughs> it's interesting that Morgan, who is one of those original people that I personally think they see potential in him of some kind. I think that's why he would have gotten that invitation. Because of the accent. Because of the accent. <laughs> it's all about the accent. They're going to surreptitiously record the accent so they get it right in his clone. Maybe I'm crossing streams there. <laughs> No, it's fine. It's the same universe. So, um, but hey, you know, it's more power to him for getting that kind of customer service. So it'll be interesting to see if that meeting does take place. Yeah, it will be interesting because I know there's other people that were told they would get meetings and nothing's happened. Interesting. So uh, Morgan, wish you well on that. And and hopefully Kristen is very nice and never leaves you off another list again. (laughs) (laughs) You're always on our list, Morgan. Yes. So as of this particular moment in time, doesn't that kind of wrap it up? Yes, it does. And that, that is a lot that happened in just a couple of weeks. It, seriously, like many, many things happening daily. And luckily, there's 
people are doing an amazing job of recapping it. Uh, Sean is doing updates, like bullet pointed updates on the subreddit. Uh, Vicky, who's Blondie on the forums, uh, is doing very good uh, in-depth updates uh, on her blog. And we'll have links to all these in the show notes. Uh, Buzz created a uh, a, th- a forum thread which is constantly updated with notable threads and if you're new if you're a new person you should go check that out um but yeah there's there's a lot man like yeah, it, like to the point where it, it's hard to keep up oh it's very hard to keep up especially for those of us with the nine to five or even longer jobs it's very hard to keep up and and i think you know our you know mike for you and me it's like i don't think it's ever been our intention to be the go-to guide from moment to moment right but i think think you know you and i it's like and we and we do this off the record as well as on the podcast the theories are the interesting part yeah and there really doesn't seem to be a lot right now and that's where like you know for with tension like that's what was super fun yeah you know we had a new character emerge and it's like who is this who's he part of like like samson you know for example like who is he what's his backstory but here Every we know, like I mean, we don't know their backstory, but we know what they're where they they're from. They seem to be defined very quickly here, right? Which is like, a very different tactic. Yeah, we have Noah and Sarah. They're part of Sinclair Industries. We have Macy, who was part of it and fired. We have Stacy, who's from iConfidant. You know, it's we're we're starting each character with a backstory already instead of finding it out. Like so it's this not is a less mystery. of a mystery. Yeah, and just like you know, right now there's it's like the prologue. You know, things haven't really started yet, I, at least in my opinion. You know, we keep saying seeing the five one date. That's when seminars start. And I think that's when crap is really going to hit the fan. But quite possibly. And but, you know, here's the thing. Like, you know, there are people in the community who are Team Noah. The hashtag has come up several yeah. times and, you know, are completely into Sinclair Inc., you know, and, you know, Julie at one point actually became sort of a spokesperson on that propaganda you know, page that went up for Noah Sinclair. So, you know, things like that happen. And, but, you know, for some of us, the system doesn't look that appealing. So I'm wondering what the I confidant thing will turn into. Right. You know, the fact that that seems to be a more, or I should say a less corporate aspect to it is appealing, but it's going to be interesting to see where it leads. Cause right now, you know, we're, we're being given all this information and, you know, last year it was puzzles and uncovering things and the well, mystery. And that's another thing. Like this feels very, it almost, it feels pretty defined so far. Like it feels almost on rails in my opinion. Whereas with, you know, and, and, and it's not fair to compare it to tension. No, it's not. But, but I feel like it's all we've got we, to compare it to. Right. I feel like we have to, because it's the same universe and, you know, this is what we did last year. This is what we're doing this year. And like to, for people that have been around, it does feel different, very different, you know? And it's like, we're not, I feel like we're not discovering as much. Right. And unfortunately I think that's led to some of the tension, forgive that, uh, among the community and, you know, and like, you know, the thing with, you know, we, on, in this episode, we touched on how Tom seemed to be ganged up on and that's, that's not nice. <laughs> and I am not expecting this to be a completely nice universe. You know, bad things happened last year in Ascension and during the tension experience. And I, I get the inkling bad things will happen this year as well. So, right. And and that's the thing. And I, I do have trust and faith that this will get to some messed up place. 
But right now, for me, a corporate love story just isn't that interesting. That's an understatement for me. Right. Because you live that life. Yeah, I've worked corporate so long that, like, I just, yeah, it just, there is no interest in that for me. Yeah. And, and don't take that the wrong way. Like, we're still interested, but it, you know, we want to see where this goes. But, you know, with when you have like a cult that's recruiting people using quotes from Charles Manson and Alistair Crawley <laughs> and Edgar Allan Poe and like, you know, with just the whole cult vibe and like their nefarious ways, like, you know, I'm sure there's nefarious things happening within Sinclair Inc. We just haven't seen them yet. And yeah. I, I, I hope it goes to a point like that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds. And I am really intrigued by the iConfidant aspect of the data mining, the fact that we have had the companion part of that stressed, that combined with the AI conversation from a few weeks ago, combined with the why are they getting pictures of people? Why are they gathering all of this personal info? What about the personal info that OSDM already has? How is that going to come into play? Are these two companies connected in some way, hidden, hidden in the back that we will someday discover? Right. And where's Michelle been? Yes. Good question. Like, I want her to come in and like, even though like, I really like, oh, just for what she did to the book of Anak. Like, <laughs> like she's not on my high on my, like, I want to be friends with you list, but man, like she like tears crap down and I want to see her do that. Yeah. I want to see Sarah fight her. Yeah. <laughs> Cat well, fight. I wasn't going there, but damn, now that you bring it up. <laughs> oh my God. The ultimate power struggle. That would be interesting. It would be fascinating if Sarah and Michelle, and because of the corporate vibe of this, if Sarah and Michelle vie for the same position. Yeah. Or what if Noah has an affair with Michelle? Or what if he's been there, done that? Yeah, that too. (laughs) So, I mean, there is intrigue here, definitely. So, but it, it just feels so so radically different and it doesn't feel like a mystery that's unfolding. It feels like a story that's being told. Right. Which is very different than I think many people expected. It's not what I expected. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting. And like I said, right now, the I confidant thing to me is the most intriguing because it's got just a little bit of the threads that intrigued me the most. Yeah. So, and I would love for them to, like, I, I want to see if they can find, what they claim is a perfect companion. I want to know what that looks like. And I want to know what's up with Otis, man. Like Otis is fascinating. Like, come on, man. I hope you're like an ex serial killer. Like, I really want that. Just just because I want things to be horror all the time, but I know it can't happen, but that's just my, my like wish list because that would make sense. Why we're friends. (laughs) Why you were immediately liked him. Yeah. It's because deep down, you knew. like, I see something in you. (laughs) So, oh, dude, if Otis turns out to be your mentor in some way. Oh, and I get to kill people? Maybe. Oh, that'd be awesome. (laughs) In game, not like real life. Sure, allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know anything. All right. Uh, Well, Mike, uh, again, uh, the the theories are interesting. Wow, it's been a busy couple of weeks. And if you want to follow along in this crazy journey, you can go to thelustexperience.com on Facebook, The Lust Experience, on Instagram, The Lust Experience, and on Twitter, Lust underscore experience. Uh, Also check out noahsinclair.com and iconfidant.net. That's everything. For now, for this moment, yeah, I'm sure something will change the moment we turn off this stuff. 
And oh, I almost forgot. Before we go, we have to give a shout out to Brian and Brandon. Uh, they We met them outside of Zombie Joe's um, yes. when we went to Tortured Souls. Mm-hmm. I remember. Uh, they emailed us and told us about a new escape room that they did called Escapade Rooms. And I think it's in Fullerton. And said it's really good and that we would love it and it's going to be horror and it's they just had a really really good time with it um so based on their suggestion we're gonna hopefully check it out in the next couple weeks so thank you guys so much for that because we hadn't hadn't heard of that one yet yeah and we always appreciate those recommendations yeah so thank you and if you want to reach out to us about crazy theories you have with lust or new escape rooms that you've done that we haven't heard of yet you can email us at mike at myhauntlife.com or russell at myhauntlife.com with two S's and two L's. You can leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text at 515-HAUNT-LA. And you can find us on all the websites and all the internets at myhauntlife.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, My Haunt Life. We're also on YouTube. Um, we have all the podcasts on there and a couple of videos from uh, Scare LA last year. And check out the forums. Uh, it's a nice community that's building at myhauntlife.com slash forums. And of course, we have the haunt calendar, which is turning into an everything calendar yes. and everything immersive. Shout out to Noah Nelson, No Persinium, and the everything immersive Facebook group. Um, but we're putting things like speakeasy and the fringe shows that are immersive and stuff like that on there as well as haunts and other events. So check that out. Uh, If you're planning to visit LA soon, check out the visit LA page, which has a bunch of creepy locations around LA that you'll be into that are not touristy. Um, And yeah, that about wraps everything up. Mm -hmm. With that being said, I'm Mike and I'm Russell. See ya. Uh, they're not allowed to release quite information yet. Quite information. Wait, is that what I said? Yeah, they're not. They're not. I'm brain farting all over the place today. <laughs> yeah, I can smell it. <laughs>